Okay, uh, we're rolling for this episode. Oh, yeah? The new one. Who told you I was ready? No, it's Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck, stealing the top billing, as always, as I do in life. I don't want it. I don't want it anymore. I'm just kidding. Any major, I never had top billing, let's be honest. And the, No, I, the only time I get top billing is when like, when we play a, a little bar show in Long Island. Even then, I'm usually opening up for Pyrex. Yeah, how you doing? What's hey. going on? Everybody good out there? Doing good? We, I'm doing good. I hope you're doing well. We got a Whopper tonight. Um, no Burger King tie-in yet. Waiting for the check, King. But uh, we know we got a crazy interview tonight. Um, we're going to go there. But... Uh, First, Tom, you know, the listeners like me to ease into things. Uh, we don't always hear from you. I, I missed you, buddy. How you been? What's going on? What have you been doing? Um, you know, I, we're still kind of coming off this recovery thing. Still sounding all clogged up and, all, and stuff like that. One thing we started getting into some recent episodes were movies. Um, you're, you're a film buff. I have become a film buff. Yes. Since I last saw you, I have seen 50 movies. That is, uh, that might be too many. I... I'm no no exaggeration there whatsoever. Um, so I have a lot of ammo if you want to talk films and things like that. Big shout to Horatio Ammo Diaz. We'll get to you, buddy. But for now, ammo, yes, sir. Let's talk movies. Do you have anything more on the? I'm not even going to say horror or sci-fi. I'll just say metal adjacent for some reason. Metal adjacent. Yeah. So I did thematically. Watch, thematically, yeah. I guess um, hair metal, glam metal wise, there was Black Roses, hmm. a uh, Lloyd Kaufman you know, uh, trauma production. It's hilarious. It's one of those hilariously bad ones. Okay. Uh, a little that, over that's the top. Kind of trauma, trauma style, It's right? the trauma style. Yeah. It's very much, uh, yeah. let's see, anything. We're watching old stuff. Uh, and I do recommend, if I, if I. You ever see Cocoon? No, I've actually never seen that one. Old People. Old people. Yeah, old people. Wilford Brimley. It's got, yeah, Jessica Tandy. Good. Cocoon is a science fiction movie. I've been kind of exploring this thing of like, you know, like people are like, oh, I'm into sci-fi, you know, you know, whatever. You know, I'm into horror and they, you know, they they have like the cult movies. They list the cool movies. I kind of, right. yeah, Alien Covenant was pretty whack. I know that because I'm a sci-fi fan, you know, like right. the I don't thing is the pretty lore. sick. I yeah. know that because I like, I'm my thing is I want to be like, you know, oh, you ever seen Cocoon 2? That's a pretty good sci-fi movie. Like I want to, I want to know about the movies that are like only sci-fi. Like, oh, my favorite sci-fi movies, Back to the Future 3. You know, where they go to the Wild West. Right. You know, that's, it that, becomes a Western. It's, yeah. But it's still a science fiction. Like, there's a lot of ways. Batman yeah. is science fiction. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, a cape like that alone makes it yeah, science fiction. Yeah, it's total. So, like, really, I'm into kind of breaking down the walls of what is and isn't science fiction. Because it's too elitist. Fair enough. I mean, you know what? That's probably the genre I have not avoided intentionally, but uh, am least brushed up upon recently. I've been doing a lot of older films, uh, researching George C. Scott for Roast Mortem and watching his films. He started as Patton in 1970. Amazing war film. Over my head already. I, you're completely over my head already. Dr. Strangelove, you seen that one? Yes, okay. I so, think Buck, Buckshot sampled this one. I think Rick, Rick sampled that. So, okay. uh, one of the generals who's uh, selling the president on the world destruction technique, yes, um, yes. Uh, General Buck Turgent. That's George C. Scott. Okay. Uh, so I've been watching some of his films. Exorcist Three. Uh, that's where that cryptopsy sample is from at the beginning yes, of Known So Vile. Yes, that's yes. Uh, that's uh, what's his name, uh, Brad Dourif, doing that bit to uh, mm-hmm. to George C. Scott, one of the most amazing actors of all times. Dude, King of Kings, Passion of Christ, any biblical movie. 
technically science fiction if you think about it. Yeah, way. Think, yeah. Uh, point of views, you know, they they weigh. Mortification, you know? space metal. Jesus was from outer space. I Whether can't you believe say... in him or not. That's the story. <laughs> I can't deny that. Mortification, the first space metal band. We're going out there. Yeah, let's bring it back. Anyway. All right, what's the movie? Talk. The All movie. Right. No, no, I'm not. I, I don't want to get into the movie right now. Maybe at the end of the episode. Okay, because you, um, you, you spattered a few different. I did. Uh, no, I don't want to cover any specific okay. one. I'm just kind of filling in what's going on. I have a science fiction book that I'm going to talk about my experience purchasing at the end. And I think it's only when you hear exactly why it's only appropriate because we're going to have a couple of drinks. We're going to crack a couple of jokes. This is almost like the drink chain. Like, like, big shout to Nori. One of my personal favorite rappers from New York from the 90s. He's got the Drink Champs podcast. They get a little rowdy. They have a couple of couple of uh, 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 you know cocktails every once in a while. Okay. And that, that, this is kind of like, it got a little wild with these guys. But big shout, regardless, uh, to the boys in Skull Shitter. We got Ryan, Rob, and Sean, all three of them. That was the first mistake right there, letting all three of them in. Um, and then it got wild, man. We got some stories. It gets there's international um, uh, intrigue. It's it's crazy, man. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna show you what happened. Yeah, I don't want to wait anymore. Yeah, time to go. Watch your skull. Leotard, you know, sitting around your apartment. Oh, yeah. and he's got like the like the ex- extremely, extremely coke out. Fucking no, he's got like the Hulk Hogan red tights, blue shirt. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool because it's like Billy John Roth is playing guitar. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. What is this? It's it's a uh, it's an Aussie. It's live Aussie right after Randy Rhodes. So it's like oh yeah, dark diary tour, and they have like a castle built in the stage, and they got the keyboard player like way up in the corner in the castle keep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then but like Lily John Roth is playing guitar just for like I guess it was probably like two weeks of the tour or whatever, but uh, Ozzy looks like a fucking professional wrestler comes out <laughs> like. <laughs> Sharon, Sharon was like, "Yeah, this color looks good." It was like red, red, like no. Blue. I think it was a bright blue leotard. I think. No, well, he was wearing like a blue shirt, red pants, and then oh, it was like yeah. blue, red, and yellow. They were all three like <laughs> very non-metal colors when you place them together. I mean, once you go into leotards, what like does it matter what color look looks right. good? <laughs> like, what, it's all subjective at that point. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. So. We're, I kind of want to just start from here and roll in with that. Is that all right, guys? Yeah, for sure. I, feel like, I just feel like that's perfect because I'm here right now with Sean, Rob, and Ryan, uh, all three members of New York City's Skull Shitter. Is that all accurate, guys? 
Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, we're all here. All right. And, of course, this is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, man. And we're rolling cold on this one, man. Um, got some uh, some local guys that I've known. And, I, you know, I was just talking behind the scenes with you guys. We've performed a lot of shows uh, together with different bands I've been in. And you guys have always been around the local scene for a long time now. So it's great to kind of um, just just uh, chat and, uh, uh, you know, do our little cheers here, even though it's over Zoom because the last two years it's been a little bit rough. So good to see you guys, man. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, cheers, likewise. Bro. Yeah, cheers, bro. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> 100%. Like I said, I got coffee. I'm not partying as hard, man, but uh, I'm good to go. Yeah, and, they can't see that, man. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Um, kayfabe, just like we were talking about with wrestling, leotards. It's all it's all making <laughs> sense. But um, I'm going to slow it down now because we do have all three of you here, and as I always say when we got multiple band members, we're going to take it slow. We're going to go through all three of you guys and get a little background. Uh, Sean, I'm just going to start with you. You're the guitarist slash vocalist of the band, if I if I'm accurate with that. Um, and I, the usual heavy hole question: Are you from a musical family? Anyone steer you towards heavy metal and hard rock uh, in your upbringing, that sort of thing? And then um, Rob and Ryan will will get to you guys if you be patient. Yeah, cool, man. Uh, yeah, so I'm Sean, um, guitar and vocals. We all do vocals uh, in, in Skull Shitter, so we're a, a real three-headed beast here. But uh, in terms of my family, I don't come from a particularly musical family, but um, my I did have some music enthusiasts. You know, my, my dad and my parents were into music when I was growing up. I had uh, Pink Floyd and, uh, you know, Jethro Tull records kicking around the house. But I would say just, you know, short and sweet, my older sister, when I was, uh, she was four years older than me. So when I was like seven, eight years old, she was really into Guns N' Roses uh, at that time, you know, like late 80s, early 80s, or late 80s, early 90s. Um, so she kind of steered me in that direction. And then as I continued to progress through music, she would kind of like course correct uh, and, and give me some tasteful direction. So like when I got into Rancid, she would like give me Fugazi, you know, when, all that type of stuff and uh shout out to my sister allison she gave me a, a double cd of uh some charles manson uh folk songs one time and that was super <laughs> cool cool so yeah that's what i got nice wow your sister sounds cool man you know rancid uh, here's fugazi like it's not too much you know what i right. mean it's just that's 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 tasteful i like that that's cool right, yeah yeah all right um uh, all right, so so before we even get into you playing guitar, let's go round Robin. Uh, Rob uh, Nelson, drummer and vocalist, because like you said, all you guys do vocalists. Um, same question, uh, music in your family, musicians older than yourself, or anyone that steered you towards heavy music? Oh, right. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Robert. Uh, I play drums and sing and skull shooter. Uh, growing up, like I didn't have like a musical history in my family, like my parents or anything like that. It was more... Um, my mom made my brothers and I, we all had to take piano lessons for a while. And then after about four years of that, then it was, um, I got drums and my brother got bass and my stepbrother got guitar and stepbrother was like older. And then as we were growing up, he was always the one that was like, you know, you need to check this out. We'd stay up late, watch Headbangers Ball. And then I'd skip church and go to the, the grocery store and read like, Circus Circus magazine or whatever other, you know, music magazine, heavy metal music magazine, if it wasn't like Thrasher or a cool Batman comic book or something. But it wasn't long until like I got my drum set when I was 13 and I was like, cool, um, how do I make two of these bass drums work? And so 
right after, right after like as soon as we could it was like we got cds and then it was like bmg and columbia house so it was like oh i can order all these heavy metal cds because i i grew up in wyoming where that shit wasn't at all accessible so it was like as soon as i could get my hands on it i wanted to play it and i had my brother who played guitar my other brother played bass so we ended up started playing together and tried to like be bands and stuff like that but that's pretty much it as far as like music in my family okay um and uh th then before we get too far ahead uh ryan what about you the same questions about if you have musicians in your family or anyone that steered you towards heavy music uh no i mean my uncle played drums but he i think he quit by the time like i could remember um and uh my dad was like super into jazz and and my mom was into like hippie rock and stuff and so they played you know music around the house but um it wasn't like we had like real you know musicians or whatever but um some of the kids that lived in the same neighborhood as me in Kalihi Valley um in Hawaii they had this like a like a punk band um and then a couple of people quit uh and then um, they were like, we were just homies and they were like, oh, uh, we need a bass player. So we'll teach you how to play. So that was kind of like, huh. yeah, how it started. I was like, whoa, sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so now <clears throat> let me. We 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 kind of no, so so all right. So you start playing bass with your friends. It sounds like it kind of just falls into your lap. They need a bass. They literally taught you how to play bass. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And uh, yeah, um, I think it was like a month or two, and then we played a show, and it was like pretty easy. So I mean, it wasn't you know it was like three chords or whatever. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it was nothing fancy, but. Yeah, yeah, it was super fun. Okay, and I'll go back to to Sean and Rob. Ryan, where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from Hawaii. Hawaii, okay, because I yeah, because I know you guys are from a few different places. We'll we'll get to that now. Um, how long did you live in Hawaii before you came to New York? Um, I moved away to uh, Washington State first when I was like 23. So. I was born there uh, in Hawaii, and so, yeah, uh, I lived there for 23 years, and then I went to the mainland. Okay, fair enough. I'm I'm interested. What was it like growing up and getting into more um, heavy underground type of music? Like, what 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 is the scene like where you're from uh, in Hawaii for punk, under underground metal, anything like that? Um, is there opportunities to see uh, uh, touring bands, or is there more of a strong local scene, that sort of thing? Yeah, I guess like at the time, this was like late 80s um, and there was actually like a bunch of uh, local bands, uh, punk and metal bands, and the scene was super small. So it was pretty cool. You would go to a show and it would just be like everybody all mixed together. It'd be like punkers, metalheads, uh, like reggae cats, like breakdancing people and stuff. Mm. Um, and because it would be the only shows you could go to, you know? So um, that was super cool. Um, and there was a couple of like uh, touring bands. I don't know who was bringing them 
in at that time because I was, you know, only like 13 or whatever, but uh, MDC came down um, and I saw them at this like old, uh, used to be like a movie theater, but they just let people do shows in there. Cool. Yeah, that was super cool. Agent Orange came. I missed that show, but I remember, I remember like that was one of the kind of like, you know, uh, known mainland bands that came down. Uh, and then, and then later on, there was like a, like more like in the nineties, there was a, um, promotion or production company called Gold, Golden Voice. And they, I think were originally based out of LA, but they started bringing out like, uh, different bands and stuff like that. Like all, all kinds of stuff. Um, like not just like, you know, metal and stuff like that, but you know, they bring like, I don't know, I think they, I saw like Public Enemy uh, huh. that awesome. time. That, that was that was a sick show. But um, it would be pretty sick. I mean, imagine you're you're a band and like some promoters like, hey, you want to play a show in Hawaii? Like, yeah. yeah, I think that's how they. I think that's how they they did it because it, it was like if if it was like a big big band, they would catch them on the way to like Japan. Um, and if they were like kind of mid level, they weren't like super super famous. It would. I think they could just get them and be like, hey, we're going to pay you, you know, maybe not that much of a guarantee or whatever, but like, we're going to put you up and fly you out. And people are like, fuck, I'll just go to Hawaii. So yeah, that's what we're supposed to do, right? Exactly. Hey, mom, we're going to come play a show. Can you put a show for us, mom? <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Um, that's yeah that's interesting man yeah i know i just wonder about what it's like growing up in different places obviously because we are a little spoiled here <clears throat> on long island and in the surrounding areas of new york city um for touring bands and for having frequent underground music uh shows and being able to kind of pick what genre you want to experience like we get a lot of that here and i know you you know in other places it's a little bit harder for bands to get to for sure so now moving forward Rob, same same question. Where are you from originally? I know you see you said it before. Yeah, um, I grew up in Wyoming. Wyoming, yeah, Green River, Wyoming. So, in in a weird way, like I feel, I think maybe there's this weird unspoken common thread between the three of us uh, that we all kind of grew up in these weird isolated places. Um, mine was like up in the mountains, kind of far away, and like I was saying earlier, it was like. If you new record was coming out, you had to like special order and then wait two to three weeks for it to get there. You know, it wouldn't show up on like the day it was released or anything. And if you saw like a movie trailer on TV, you'd have to wait six weeks before it hit the one movie theater in my town. So, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I lived on like, it's right off of interstate 80. So if there were bands that were going from like Denver to Salt Lake city, they would never stop to play in in my town because you wouldn't um there's no one to play to but um we did have this thing growing up once a year uh it was like three days they called it flaming gorge days and it was like three days of live music it was like two country bands and then one rock and roll band and like we got to see like kansas one year and then there would be like travis tritt and uh <laughs> someone else but that was just the day that like everybody would get hammered. Everybody's parents would get hammered. You and your friends would get all the sleepovers and stuff like that. But uh, 
by the time I hit middle school, I met another friend who played guitar and his dad had played guitar. And so if you know any, if you've met anybody whose parents play music and then their son picks it up or something, then they're like, yeah, cool. This is a good reason to spend a bunch of money on a bunch of gear. I don't ever have couldn't justify using anymore. <laughs> so one time my friend and his dad went down to Salt Lake City and they came back with these two JCM 800 like full stacks. Oh, shit. One of them was like the full white one, the, like the Jimi Hendrix signature fucking Marshall full stack that's like white Tolex and the other one was black. And then that was the dad's. And the dad got the ESP Kirk Hammett signature while he bought his 15-year-old son the fucking... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> M2 Deluxe, which is pretty. I mean, there's sick guitars and stuff, but if you're just jamming like Thunderstruck and stuff on it, I mean, it's great. I mean, I mean sick song though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Still pretty sick. But um, that was. I think that's the first time I can remember. I can really remember not hearing my drums while playing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, it was a real precursor for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Cool, this is what it's like." <laughs> wow. So th- that's interesting because you talk about how you had, um, if I got it right, didn't you say your stepbrother and and other members of your your own family were musicians? Uh, yeah, I growing mean, up, it was because I had to take piano lessons, and then it was like no one wanted to play piano anymore. We all hated the church lady, so it was like pick your instrument and i picked one that the church lady didn't play so that was cool (laughs) (laughs) well because what i'm getting at is you're saying there wasn't really a reason for live bands to come through there wasn't like a live music scene there wasn't much going on um but it seems like there were a lot of musicians is that like is that do you think that goes with the church uh the local church being a big thing or it was it was more of like um like coal miner town you know Mm -hmm. um so I, I have a feeling that like my town growing up, it was like 13,000 people still like one high school, but it was kind of like an off the grid kind of thing. So some of my teachers, half of my teachers were like hip, like hippie refugees and the other half were like Vietnam vets or mm-hmm. World War II vets. So it was like kind of a weird divide in there. But so as a result, there was a lot of like, you know, I guess alternative culture, especially within the education system, which was pretty cool. Cause I, I just remember going to like science class and my biology teacher being super into the Beatles and stuff like that. And it was like focusing on music. So a lot of people were bringing their musical influences or like tastes and whatever was going on in their lives into the classroom. So, that, and the teachers were all really cool with that. When you say hippie refugees, those are like hippies from other locations in the states. Yeah, that wanted to get off the grid, and not like hippie, like not like refugees from like other not <laughs> actual refugees. Okay, okay. But, gotcha. but like to social refugees is, is that a thing? Sure. Is that, <laughs> that, yeah, because I think that's what it was. I mean, why the hell would you want to live in Green River, Wyoming, as like a young adult if you're not going to go work in the mines? Yeah, like to me that sounds bizarre. Yeah. Also, I, I gotta just chime in and, and just make the obvious joke that uh I hope if you're listening to this you know what Bob looks like because this is Bob Nelson from Wyoming. <laughs> 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 this is true. So, uh, so, out there. Well <laughs> I I didn't want you know, I'm asking about first band experiences and bands and everything like that. I I mean I you know, you mentioned 
um, the church lady and, and you know, siblings and, and uh, jamming with um, your neighbor, the neighbor's dad. When when do you have like a real, you know, a, a proper band that performs shows and plays original music? Is that not till you venture out of Wyoming? No, no. It was uh, while like in high school still. Uh, uh, so my we got to a point where my brother and I uh, were playing. My, my little brother played bass. My other brother played guitar. He kind of got sucked into working and having a job and stuff. So we ended up meeting um, a kid who whose dad bought him the full stack. He was from the next town over, and he had a friend who's who was a guitar player who's like a, a total savant. Like he was like fifteen years old playing Randy Road solos and stuff like that. So he comes over, and then uh, we start playing with him. And he helps teach my brother to play bass. And then we, we have like a, our own little like heavy metal band and we called it cry havoc. Nice. And we started playing. Um, we played a the first show we ever played was a talent show at the coffee shop where we played um, for whom the bell tolls. <laughs> and then they were like, Oh, you know, we have it on video somewhere and they were like applauding or whatever. And then we immediately segued into our own original shit before they even asked us to stop. And you could tell that they were just being punished. <laughs> it was pretty great. But after that, I, I was like, mom, I'm going to give up my allowance for the rest of my high school and all my Christmas and birthday money. Can I get a new drum set? And she was like, um, maybe. Ugh. And I picked up this sick, like, two kick drums, four rack toms, two floor toms. And I had like a ride, a crash and a set of hats and some hot hats. And I was like, that's what I need to do. And I, I like took, took uh, every like the dresser and everything out of my bedroom and just my bed and my drums. And that was it. So that was pretty cool. Awesome. So that's, that, yeah. That was the first band it was like in high school. Later on, my brother, my little brother kicked me out of the band. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, wait, wait. You got you, you to elaborate on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Maybe I was like 16. And so my brother, he was uh, 14. My little brother's 14. And my other friend, his name is Wolf. His name is John. I'll call him Wolf because he was also like fully Full, fully bearded at 16. Hmm. Like, anyway, um, <clears throat> he, those two guys, I don't know. I was being real pushy. They knew metal was happening and I wanted to play more with angel and stuff. And they wanted to play like corn and deftones. And I was like, you guys are lame. Okay. All right. But that, that's just kind of what it got into. I was like, and then when you're young, and it's your little brother. So you start yelling at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come, uh, you know, after you know, a couple of decades later, my little brother ends up in a band that's signed to Warner Brothers, and I end up working for him. <laughs> so and that's what brings me to New York. Can, can you? Uh, well, all right. Then, <laughs> then we'll then we'll leave off on that because I don't want to neglect Sean. He's the only one we haven't asked the same no. question. Where are you from exactly, Sean? Yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm going to finish Rob's story because it needs to be finished. So, uh, <laughs> so be, just because we, we got to bring it into Long Island here. So, so Jesse played key, Jesse, Rob's brother, played keyboards and head automatica for a number of years. Head automatica. Okay. I, I was wondering. Yeah. I remember that right, name. Yeah. Right, right. 
uh, one of Daryl Palumbo's uh, bands. Uh, and obviously that brought Rob to New York and created a lot of connections. Uh, you know, we're, we bumped into Daryl on the street a couple of years ago, you know, et cetera. Um, but uh, yeah, so just to put a little. Oh, yeah. And to connect it to Long sorry. Island, um, Daryl and the band was from uh, Merrick and Belmore. So, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Because, I, I mean, it's, it wasn't like a household name, but they were getting out there. And I have like these, yeah, I definitely remember seeing that name out there a lot in the new metal era. Head Automatica from yeah. Long Island. Yeah, Merrick, man. Wow. Dude, who knew that this was going to go to Hawaii, Wyoming, and end up in Merrick? Okay. Yeah. And then uh, uh, I'm from Maine. I was I was born in Philadelphia, but I moved to Maine when I was real young. Um, and I don't have a, a ton of, uh, like, the, the scene in Maine was, like, there wasn't, it was, it was interesting. There, there were bands, there were people playing music. Um, I played in a number of bands when I was in high school and whatnot. I do feel lucky that I was, sur like, surrounded by people. Like, I took guitar lessons for, like, two years. When I was, like, 11, 12 years old. And the guy I was uh, taking lessons with, Andre Lascousse, shout out. He's still playing. Um, just really pushed me to, like, write my own music, take guitar. Like, you know, like, as soon as I learned a pentatonic scale, he was like, sick, take a guitar solo. I'm going to play this blues riff, you know? So, like, I was uh, surrounded by people who were interested in, in, in being productive and produ and making music. Um, so I was in a number of bands. I was also in a band that covered For Whom the Bell Tolls, Rob. So that's pretty sick. Um, great, great song. Metal like song a proto-war metal song, man. So sick. Uh, Fair enough. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I wasn't in any like real bands or anything. I came to New York um, uh, really to play music. I came with a friend of mine who was older. We'd been playing music together in Maine. He moved to Philadelphia, ended up moving to, to New York and was like, forget Philly, come, come chill with me in New York. So I moved to New York, uh, started playing music. And then, um, yeah, just, just linked up with these guys. Uh, I feel very, I'll just say like sort of like, you know that that's main in a nutshell there wasn't a lot going on there were some new metal bands so like, and like you know I'll, I'll i'll own this you know like a, that was a place <laughs> in a time and i'm younger than these guys so like i i like new metal and i was like you know you know too young to know better you know whatever i i was really into like i was so into just music in general i listened to everything when i was a teenager i was not jaded at all as opposed to now you know and uh i i i just uh I was not, taste was not my forte. I had like some friends of mine, like well, a really good friend of mine named Sam Mank. And we grew up like listening to Ozzy together and all this stuff. And he was always like, dude, this stuff sucks. And I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I was just like into, into everything. But the, the only bands I would go see were like the big touring acts that would come through and they would play Portland, Maine, and they would play like the amphitheater. So I would see like, I mean, I would say like, you know, cool bands that I would see would be like, I saw slayer a ton uh when they had uh both staff on drums okay and I okay remember, uh i remember when tool came through one two one time and tool had phantomas opening and i liked tool a lot at that time so i was down to go anyway but i was so stoked because uh because lombardo was playing drums and phantomas yeah. and i had never seen slayer with lombardo at that point so like it's such a big deal i remember like getting there and we were late to the show and i remember fucking like pushing like the amphitheater like double doors in 
right like the fucking first note that they played and it was just like oh and like there's dave fucking blasting and doing all the weird Hell yeah. shit it was it was sick but that was like the shows in maine were like were only big stadium shows dude you just remind i gotta interject one second because that's sick first of all people shit on tool I don't like that. I I enjoy Tool's music. I'm not a super fan. I think they're great. I like I like what they do. I think they're interesting. Why do people got a problem with Tool nowadays? What's the deal? Yeah, uh, but that, 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 that's that's a fair point. I will say that there's still I, I when Tool put that new record out recently, I listened to it and I thought it was I didn't like it that much. But I did go back to their old catalogs. So I was like, let me just refresh myself. And the the you know, Lateralis and and Enema, I I was like, yeah, I I. I like this. This is cool. And it could just be a place in a time. I liked it so much when I was a teenager that like, I can't unlike it now, but yeah, uh, it, definitely of, a, like a cool band. I think like they do their own thing. Yeah, dude, I get it. If people don't like tool, all I'm saying is they didn't deserve to get shit on like Fred Durst or somebody when their last album <laughs> came out. What? Like it was caught on like a wildfire. It was crazy. Well, I'm glad that we're talking about tool and, and not Pantera, who I could also <laughs> talk about a lot too. If we want to. <laughs> I, I love listening to Pantera's music and not thinking about Phil Anselmo's personality at all outside of the <laughs> yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Right, yeah. uh, uh, anyway, yeah, that's, it's, that, it's that's, a, yeah, Pantera's a fun road to go down. Man. It's a better one than tool even sometimes, but that's, we usually <laughs> save that for the bonus episodes. One more thing, speaking of the bonus episodes on our Patreon right now, I'm just, cause I was just doing research for episode. I found out, um, like new to this year, like just in the last few months, the classic Canadian thrash band Annihilator, who's put out like a dozen albums over the years and has flown under the radar. Dave Lombardo plays drums on their new album. Oh, sick. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's something to, I got. I haven't even heard it myself. I just like was on Metal Archives for, for um, a Patreon episode I'm working on. And, and I, I was like, Dave Lombardo. All right. 2022, man. I got to check it out. Yeah. Annihilator from Canada. Um, but but getting back to you, man, we went on a crazy tangent. We went all over the metal universe there. Um, so Sean, Maine. Uh, yeah. F- Phantomas, um, uh, Tool. You see some some cool bigger shows uh, coming through. So, it, when you move to New York, is that the first time you really get to see some like nitty gritty underground shows? Oh yeah, for sure. I would say that actually, I um, uh, I, I was not really into the underground at all uh, prior to moving to New York, and New York was really um, what I was looking for. Like, I mean, moving to New York for me was just exactly what I wanted. Um, I didn't really like know about grindcore all that much, even really like I like right before I moved to New York, I found out about pig destroyer, you know? And like, so that's like, I'm like 22 at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember being in college and being just like unhappy with what I was listening to in terms of metal. Like I was really into Slayer. I was really into Pantera, uh, and stuff like that. And like, um, I was trying to explore these different avenues and like, I was I had, I found Opeth and I liked Opeth. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Swedish death metal. Like, let me see where this goes. And there was like, you know, there's like the at the gates, like Gothenburg stuff, but like, I was just so exploratory at that age. And it was also the age where you could find anything for free on the internet. So I just got like, I was just like listening to everything. I was like, Oh, cool. Let me listen to God. Um, uh, what's that band? Jester King that record uh oh uh, what was that was that in uh, flames gesture race yeah yeah in, yeah in flames soil work i'm just like exploring like broad term fucking uh swedish death metal 
And I was trying to like it, you know, and it was tough because, like, a lot, I don't know, a lot of that, was, <laughs> that it sucks. That was a tough you know? album to like in that that just the race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I was just feeling like really disillusioned with with metal, and I was, you know, like as I had sort of insinuated earlier, I listened to like everything. So listening to a lot of jazz, you know, blah 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 blah. Um, I come to New York and. I meet uh, Jeff Summers. I'll shout out Jeff Summers. Uh, he was a drummer in Batillus. Uh, and he and I worked on a, a, a website together called Crust Cake, uh, which was like a metal blog, like in the, you know, uh, mid 2000s. Um, and, you know, Jeff sort of turned me on to like doom and black metal, things that I like just generally speaking, wasn't all that aware of. Uh, and you know, then you just start to meet people. You move to New York, you meet people, you go, you start to see shows at the fucking Charleston and North six. And like, before you know it, you're a part of the underground. So, uh, that was definitely moving to New York was, was exactly what I wanted, man. It was, it was the, it was the the key I was looking for. Hell yeah. Okay, man. So. Um, now we kind of are getting our way towards you guys be, <clears throat> excuse me, towards you guys meeting up in New York. Um, I want to, I want to go back to, to Ryan real quick. Ryan, you say you went, you spent some time in Washington state. Yeah. What, anything musical going on? Were you jam, jamming over there? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, um, I was in Olymp- Olympia, Washington and, uh, I was actually like, I I got super into jazz at that time, so I kind of didn't pay attention to anything that was going on. But like, if you're into like indie rock or that that stuff, that was the time that you know all of that was happening. But I I didn't you know experience any of that. So. <laughs> you weren't you weren't into it. <laughs> no, but tell them tell them about your saxophone and. <laughs> So, like, oh boy! I want, I, want, I want you to recite the story oh about boy. How, you got, how you left Japan. <laughs> but you have to get them there first. Right. Okay. All right. So, uh, so Will, check it out. Ryan is an ill sax player. The dude uh, is like a fucking freak. Well, wait a minute. You didn't learn how to play saxophone in Washington, then, right? I basically did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was I was gonna say you're holding out on me on something in, in, in your musical yeah, past, was, man. It's like we'll get to, get to it. <laughs> so, so Ryan goes to Japan. No, no. Like, how do you get to Japan first? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so anyway, there's like a friend of mine does this exchange program um, through the Evergreen College over there. Then he comes back and he's like, yo, this thing is sick. You got to go to Japan. And I'm half Japanese. So like I have like an interest in, you know, I don't know. Like you want to go back to where you're like grandma, grandpa. Yeah. Like makes sense. Where, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, I took a few classes over there to kind of like get to know the faculty and, and, you know, get them to be able to like write me letters of recommendation or whatever. And, Basically, like, apply for the program, and um, I'm able to get, like, a scholarship to, to go to the thing, so I don't have to pay for anything, uh, which was pretty awesome, because uh, I don't think I would have been able to go otherwise. Um, but, yeah, so I go to Japan, um, and then I'm going to school over there, which is, like, 
I don't know, like Evergreen is this like crazy kind of like hippie originated kind of school. But the sister school in Kobe, Japan, is uh, this economics university, um, which is a really weird kind of thing. I don't know how they're connected. But hmm. anyway, it's, it's all just total bullshit. Like I, I go there <laughs> and, um, you know, like I'm getting evergreen credits, you know, um, for school. But like I'm just attending random classes uh at this economics university and you know my my japanese is pretty good at that point but i can't like i you know i can have conversations but i can't like i'm attending classes where they're like you know discussing economics and shit so <laughs> you know like the teachers are all just like whatever man it's cool just you know whatever and and so basically i kind of just like skate through that and you know just do like a lot of drinking and meeting people uh and then um i end up joining this this band like a friend of mine from olympia comes and visits and he's he's a drummer and, and you know we used to you know play around together we, he was a jazz head too so so anyway he comes out he's like yo man are you playing in a band or whatever what are you doing man i'm like oh no i'm just you know what he's like dude what you gotta join a band right now and i'm like Okay, whatever. We're like leaving this record store and he's just like, yo, right here. He grabs like a number off of this flyer <laughs> and he's like, call these people up. So, so I call him up and um, yeah. And then, and uh, it's this like reggae band up there. And uh, you know, there's like a hardcore like reggae scene. There's every kind of scene in Japan, but like, like a lot of Japanese people are like into reggae a lot. <laughs> So anyway, like they, you know, they have like a horn section and stuff. So I, I joined and, and they ended up being like, they became like my best friends. Like we, like, I, it was just, I don't know. It was weird. Um, you, you, you toured like the world, right? You toured Germany or some shit? No, like no, no. That was with the reggae, reggae band in Hawaii oh, after, okay. after I left Japan. <laughs> but, uh, huh. but yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, wait. So no, you go ahead. <laughs> you, you just got started. You, so you wait a minute, man. So you go to school in in uh, Japan. Friend yeah. comes and visits, and on a whim, you take this number. You join this reggae band. They end up becoming really good friends, and you end up playing internationally with them. Yeah, I didn't play internationally with them. I ended up playing internationally oh. with this other band that I joined. Okay. Kind of like I guess off the heels of that band when I, when I moved back to Hawaii, but, uh, I, uh, yeah. So, uh, all right. You got to tell them the story about how you left Japan. You don't have to give them all the details, but you got to give them, there's, there's going to be a lot of allegedly coming up right yeah, now. Yeah, oh, but you, I, your friends are doing this to you, not the, me, man. The fucking, uh, all the, the transcribing I, where, where I'm getting at. Just how you, you transcribe the numbers and you. Oh yeah, that's fucking sick. Okay, <laughs> yo. So yeah. Okay, so at this point, like, I'm still in the band. I've I've already like finished school. This is like you know two years later. I'm living in a different place. First, I was living in Kobe, and then uh, I I applied for this uh, teaching job through the Japanese government. Um, it's called the the Jet Program, and and they basically hire English native English speakers from like all of you know places like Australia, uh, England, United States, or whatever, 
anyway, uh, and you go there and you work at like public schools in Japan and you don't get to choose where you go. They just place you somewhere. So I applied for that job. They, uh, I got the job and then, you know, they placed me in this, um, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's this really super small town. Um, it's, it's in the Southern Island, uh, which is Kyushu, but, uh, Fukuoka is like, kind of like the main city there, but this is like an hour South of, of the, from there driving. And, you know, I was like in an agricultural high school, like a super small town, uh, place I lived at was like, there was like rice fields outside. And anyway, um, and then, and then, and then, so I keep, I'm still in the band. So I keep going to like Osaka where all those guys are at, um, on the weekends to hang out and do stuff. And then a friend of mine from, from, uh, Hawaii comes to visit and he's like, Oh, okay, cool. You know, we hang out or whatever. And like, you know, what's up with, uh, getting drugs over there. And I was like, ah, oh, shit, I don't know. Uh, you know, we can get weed and stuff. It's like, well, like, I'm just going to bring some stuff over. And I was like, wow, Allegedly. You know, I don't know what, with, uh, with like, customs and stuff so maybe you should just like mail it to me allegedly uh, allegedly yeah yeah <laughs> i was thinking about telling him that but i didn't actually tell him that. and then um and then so yeah you know if i was going to do that i wouldn't have it sent to my address because at the time that he was going to show up it would be um i'd be at my other friend's house you know um because it's over the weekend so um so so, you know, allegedly he sends it over there, but he sends at the same time, he sends like this gift package to one of our friends in California and then she gets it and it's like, oh, this is the wrong package. Like you got to send it to my other friend in, in Japan. So she sends it straight from her house to Japan, allegedly. And um, so my friend allegedly gets it and it's like okay what well, just like some coffee and a, like a you know pair of flip-flops and a watch uh okay whatever and then you know my other friend was like oh fuck that was a, the the wrong package like send this other one anyways this whole thing like where there's multiple packages of like almost the same stuff and then it's this like red flag with the i didn't know this but i guess osaka is like the 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 most intense customs uh, situation in Japan. Like they have the most highly scrutinized like systems there or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And now um, you have two identical packages coming in at the exactly. same time. They're like, what the fuck? You got an operation going on. Uh. Over here. So, <laughs> fucking busted in. They like raided my friend's house. Uh, and then. And you're in a reggae band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're like, they're like, yo, Weird. this is like perfect. So, so they, they, they raided my friend's house. He actually goes to jail for like a week and Oof. I'm out of town at this point. Like I was um, visiting Washington again, going out of town. And this was kind of like, I didn't have like, this was like pre cell phones or whatever. I had like a, you know, shitty like flip phone in Japan, but it didn't work in America. So I wasn't checking my email all the time, but yeah, like my bandmates had been sending me like, um, 
emails they're like oh you know like the weather is very bad here there's a lot of diarrhea you shouldn't come <laughs> like they're trying to do all these cold words but i never got it <laughs> um so then i go back and then um i i tell you the shit storm is real <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i call I, it was like uh i was in between airports and and then uh i call you know my friends just to be like oh i'm back in like they were at band practice what's up and then he was like yo call me back on a payphone i was like oh shit <laughs> so anyway this is whole long story it's too long for for this platform uh probably but but basically i had like another friend who plays in this like sick ass uh kind of like noise hardcore band in tokyo called and he's got kind of like he's like knowledgeable in stuff that this kind of stuff basically allegedly so, Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> so, like, yo, which, you know, there was a guy, if there was a band, he might know about this. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, so he was like, um, uh, basically, take your battery out of the phone. Yeah, he's like, take your battery out of the phone, like, only use, like, pay phones, um, all this kind of stuff. So, I was kind of like on the lam for like a little while. Um, oh yeah. Well, so the whole thing with my friend got arrested, but then they let him out. Like they were just like a week went by and they just, they were like, yeah, it's cool, bro. Don't worry about it. And then they're like, okay, cool. It's fine. No big deal. Uh, and then I didn't know that they were trying to do that. So that like, to beat would, you. yeah, basically, mm. um, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly yeah. Set you up. But so I was, you know, uh, getting, you know, consulted or whatever by my other friend in Tokyo. And he's like, okay, well, what jail is he in? Because, like, I'll go down there. I'll just get into a bar fight, and then I'll go to the same jail so I can talk Whoa. to him. <laughs> like, dude, no. Whoa. Like, yeah, I don't That's a great idea. Like a good idea. Here's a knife. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, not – I'm from – Hawaii. I'm not from Japan, so I guess maybe that's. Damn. Uh, no, so tell them what you did for your phone book. Oh, so my phone book, like I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to write down any numbers because in case I got pinched, then I didn't want to. They would have all my phone numbers or whatever. So I did this this thing where I would write out like, uh, like you know, like sheet music or whatever, right? So. If you take any scale, like a basic major scale or whatever, you can just assign numbers to them, you know, uh, to, each to each note. And so I would just notate people's phone numbers as music, you know, so like the first, <laughs> you know, like a C scale, a C would be zero and then a D would be one and so forth. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool that. Go to a payphone, you see a motherfucker just like bust out sheet music and just dial a number. <laughs> yeah, if you, you know, so that's a good trick for any of your listeners. I wow. Guess. <laughs> wow. Uh, All right. You blew my mind with that story. That's crazy, man. This guy was willing to go to get in a bar fight and get arrested. Now, <laughs> not that water. Goes. I got to ask, alleged. Yeah, how much allegedly, if this if this was true, how much weed was in the box? Ah, <laughs> uh, it wasn't zero. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. even weed. It, it was, was just weed. like it was like definitely no nothing. Weed. There was definitely nothing in the box. Yeah, yeah. I'm just well, I'm just saying because this is crazy. This is like you had no, like it it's like you had a you didn't have a kilo of coke coming to you. Like no, no, this would be considered you know by by today's standards and in, in the you know legalized states this would be considered 
definitely personal use. Yeah, <laughs> but but over over there the laws are a lot stricter. I'm getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're okay. fucking crazy. I went to go see a lawyer, and you know, I was like, okay, you know, lawyers did they have a confidentiality thing? I I talked to this dude. I paid him a hundred bucks just for the consultation, and and I, he was like, yeah, you should turn yourself in. I was like, what <laughs> the fuck are you paying for? Yeah, it's really different. It's uh. <laughs> It's really different over there. Um, so, yeah, don't fuck around in Japan. What are you scared? Damn. Damn. All right. Shout out to all of our um, Japanese uh, listeners and, and comrades over there, man. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad. Let's get it. I'm glad that you uh, made it back to join Skull Shitter. Gee, we haven't even gotten a Skull Shitter for me. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So, um, we're old. <laughs> yeah, I'm old too. All yeah. right, man. Let let me give Ryan a break now. All right, so Ryan, so I so so you transcribe the numbers and you get back home, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got. I, so, so my my homie that was in Tokyo, he was like, "Come up to Tokyo. I'll get you on a plane. Whatever." He didn't do anything special, but but uh, he helped me buy the ticket. You know, took me to a spot. Uh, basically, just took like looked at Washington and Hawaii, whichever ch- ticket was lo- leaving sooner. Uh, got a ticket he was super nice he saw me off to the airport he's like yo don't worry about it bro like you know like plane's you know, taking off he's getting tackled <laughs> <laughs> but oh but God. it was nice it was super nice of him to look me out like that and and uh got on the plane i got upgraded to uh first class <laughs> on china air what's the film gangster Totally random. So oh, yeah, I made it back to Hawaii. Well, hold on. I, there, just just to wrap the story up, this this one missing piece, which is something Ryan's uh, told to me in the past, is like so in Japan, like the the justice system is different than in America, where they, they it's not really like innocent until proven guilty. They like they do the research first, they investigate you first, and they really only arrest you if they uh, plan yeah. on convicting you, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's like, you're get, like, if you get arrested, you're fucked. Yeah, exactly. Um, wow. And so like when, when Ryan was leaving, there was like, uh, it was like kind of like a roll of the dice, right? Like you bought the plane ticket and you were, and I believe you were sort of like, you're like, you know, it was sort of like one of those things, like, let me see what happens when I go through the gate type of yeah, shit. Yeah, no, right? basically, because yeah. I called, no, because I called the embassy <laughs> and the dude, there was like, all right, man, like, I'm not telling you this, but I'm telling you this, like, basically, if you get red flagged over there, you're never coming back into the country again. Like, you're never, you can never return to Japan. But if you leave and you don't get arrested, then you're probably good. For at least 10 years. Right, yeah. Yeah, so there we're was just for, like, a Japanese tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we did it. Wow, dude i i had a I had a, a DUI many years ago, and that stopped me from going to Canada with my bands for a few oh, years. You just Canada. made that—that's nothing compared to what you're talking. This is crazy. Right? Yeah, we, had, we that might have taken a half an hour, but it's way better than a Canada story. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy, man. All right, and and by the way, shout out to your boy from Tokyo. We're gonna edit out his band's name just in case. All right, just in, I'm, I'm not trying to get anybody pinched over there this is this is this isn't vlad tv i'm not working for the feds um but i will i will buy some of his merch before i delete the name out of the podcast because he deserves support all right listen um let's let's pass because i got one more thing i got another thing i thought i had dirt on you guys and you're coming out with the crazy stuff i want to ask rob 
Um, you, you speaking of allegedly, did you allegedly spend time working with Russell Allen, longtime vocalist of Symphony X? No, no. Symphony X? No, no. Working with Russell Allen, who is the longtime vocalist of Symphony X. You're listed as as working at some point with Russell Allen's Atomic Soul. Really? On Metal Archives. So, did we catch Metal Archives in one right now? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Maybe it's another like Rob Nelson or something, man. Okay. Yeah, that's happened before. I got a modeling gig because of that. Month. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty sick. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, apparently in 2005, you did a, some guest session work for Russell Allen of Symphony X's solo project, Russell Allen's Atomic Soul. So good for you. <laughs> I can't wait for that check to come in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I see that. Damn. That's great. I thought I had some weird story about Symphony X's front, man, and this guy comes in with the fucking international man of mystery story. All yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, all right well we all, we also this is great because i love when we catch metal archives in a um in a typo or in a mistake man because they're they're pretty thorough there that's good um so so now moving on from that that's crazy man so we know all right so well ryan let's just finish off because we know um rob gets to new york by way of um long island new metal uh legacy act head automatica uh <laughs> sean comes down here uh pursuing music what about you how do you end up in new york uh yeah this story is not that interesting but basically like my ex at the time she was like yo we should we should move to New York. We like, uh, she had like this crazy recruiting gig. She made a bunch of dough. I was like, okay, let's go travel for six months in, all across like Southeast Asia. So we did that. And then once we dipped over there, she was like, let's move to New York. I was like, well, fucking whatever. So then we moved and then we broke up, um, which is, you know, pretty typical situation. But that was great because, you know, she wasn't, she didn't, I don't know. She didn't like me doing acid and stuff like that. So, <laughs> you know, it kind of just, I don't know. Then we, I met these guys yeah. and we were going to do an acid. That's cool. So, hey, yeah, that's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I love it, man. So you guys meet up, man. Now, now, now I think we can comfortably get into Skull Shitter. Tell me about how you guys all meet up and Skull Shitter takes form. Yeah. Let me, let me take that. Uh, uh, so, I met Rob's brother, Jesse, uh, on, at a job interview uh, at the Ace Hotel. Um, and me and Jesse started talking about head automatica and music and stuff like that. And uh, it's just like, you know, cool. All right, cool. I know your band. You know, I know what you're talking about. Awesome. We know some of the same people. We know the same bands, yada, yada, yada. So I get a job at the hotel. Um, Rob starts, uh, Rob's younger brother, Jesse, is working at the hotel um rob starts working at the hotel doing like sort of freelance av stuff um and then ryan gets hired at the hotel so he moves to new york and is just looking for a job he gets hired at the hotel so me ryan and rob are all working at the hotel together and me and ryan were working the overnights together and we found like a lot of uh commonality like we were into the same jazz like we we're both big uh fans of masada uh john zorn's quartet um and then we, you know, we link up with Rob. We find out we're all into fucking heavy metal and punk. 
Uh, and it just becomes kind of like a natural thing at that point. So we, we discuss, you know, just, you know, that shit, you're, the, you're, you're there at fucking four o'clock in the morning with an empty hotel and you're supposed to be working, but you're drinking instead. And you guys are fucking, we're playing fucking Sepultura over the fucking lobby, fucking, uh, the speakers and shit like that. And, uh, yeah. Then we just start fucking playing together basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And Rob, when you moved to New York, at what point weren't you doing a lot of sound engineering and things like that and, and working at local venues? Oh, yeah. if, you, if you didn't know, Rob has like five jobs all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Um, by the time I like I stopped touring <clears throat> and doing like a lot of like, yeah, touring gigs, like uh, I ended up working local gigs uh, starting at Europa in Brooklyn and then it it graduated to like a bunch of Bowery presents venues and then uh, helping build the Akron and St. Vitus. And so that, that kind of encapsulates almost like 15, 20 years of local music. And in that time I was able to join a bunch of bands that were also like a big part of that underground. So because of all that, I was, you know, I got the opportunity and the privilege to meet individuals like yourself uh, Will and your band and a bunch of other bands from Long Island and the local raw punk scene. So, yeah, I I spent most of my time like I did the, like the the touring like spent like boot camp on tour, and then when I came home, I decided to root down, and I was like, all right, all right I got to play my own music. I can't just be setting up for all these other gigs anymore. Uh, I started working locally, so that's. That's how I got like involved locally. And luckily it was like, it started with Atake and it morphed into from that to mutant supremacy, a trench grinder, Diafago, survival sect, and then finally skull shooter. So, yeah, I, I wanted to give some shine um, definitely to mutant supremacy. Cause where I, where I remember first encountering you, Rob was years ago, um buckshot facelift my, my one band would mainly practice a lot at the sweatshop in brooklyn and i think that's when you uh, probably around the same time you were working the akron was like right around the corner there yeah yeah absolutely and i think mutant supremacy probably did you guys rehearse at the sweatshop yeah we did uh, a lot of sweatshop stuff and then eventually um we got our um our monthly room uh at danbro which is the same building yeah right? essentially it's the same building um we were in like the building down the road, like uh, it was called, I don't know what they call it now, but we were in a basement building and we were, we moved out of there after one tour and then um, moved into Danbro, AKA sweatshop. But to be honest, like we started, Mean Supremacy really started with Sam and I at the sweatshop when it was on Metropolitan uh, Boulevard. Yeah, I, rem I, I remember that too, man. That yeah. That was a real like fucking Roach Motel right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Little yeah. bit, little bit closer off the uh, the highway, but but yeah, you're right. It was it was a good move for them when they moved into the new building, the current building. But that was like really when we started. Is like I was um, like I, uh, I was living with a girlfriend at the time, and I was that guy. I was like ah, I'm moving to New York, and I brought a snare drum and my double bass pedal and like seven hundred bucks, and I was like cool. <laughs> 
Ah, <laughs> that's it, man. Well, is that that same snare you have now? No, it's oh, okay. the pink one. Oh, right. <laughs> cool pink snare drum for a while. That's, that's how metal I am. Well, for the just for the listeners, Mutant Supremacy is a band. Um, I, I, you know, maybe you could speak to, uh, if the band's on hold, if it's still active, but there's a lot of material on Bandcamp if people want to check out Mutant Supremacy, uh, a New York City based death grind band, uh, with a lot of material to check out. Um, you know, just, just maybe just, uh, what's going on with the band? Any plans? Um, or is it on hold? Uh, Mutant Supremacy is pretty much, I guess this will be it. This is it. We're done. Like, um, the band kind of, we ran into some uh, personnel issues in like 2014, 2015. And Winslow and I, the bass player, uh, we were going to keep it going. But then he ended up, he got really involved with uh, um, Funebrarum and his, and then he ended up moving up north. And then I was, I turned my focus towards Skull Shitter. So, Mean Supremacy, we had like um, two full-length releases and some, and like a couple EPs and some appearances on some comps and stuff. But unfortunately, we're not going to be able to continue with that project. Um, I often I keep in touch with Winslow all the time, but I don't think we're going to write music anytime soon. But uh, because of that band, it really opened up the like the the local and like somewhat international heavy metal like underground music scene including uh artificial brain because i remember we played a uh outdoor like was it long island death fest out in a parking lot yeah, um, <laughs> yeah all the way out in yapank uh, red river inn yeah. Yeah, yeah that was that was great actually <laughs> we um mortician rips but we, we watched will kind of just nod off on the patio for a while <laughs> like while all of us were everybody and believe yourself included we we're all like man it's fucking hot outside and will's like melting vinyl taking a nap <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was the summer man it was definitely the it summer, was the summer. Yeah. But I, hey, that was a sick show man i, I remember that um quite vividly I was at a show. I was at a show there just a few weeks ago. They, they're they're uh, they're still in business and they're back to having shows now. So, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 man. That's that's out there. That must have been a long drive for you guys. I mean, whatever you know. It's like, yeah, you go everywhere. But yeah, I was surprised to hear that you were saying you were driving in for those buckshot um, facelift shit, like rehearsals. Well, that seems like a long drive. Buckshot yeah. facelift um, over the years has kept this clever illusion that we're a Long Island band because we used to be a full Long Island <laughs> band, but then like around the same era that Rob's talking about, um, our guitarist and bass player both moved into Brooklyn because Brooklyn was where it was. You know, you wanted to work in the people. A lot of people wanted to work uh, in Manhattan or work in other places and live in Brooklyn. A lot of people wanted to pursue creative pursuits out there. It's just what it was, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago or so and oh. so so we ended up my the drummer and i would carpool out to brooklyn to meet up with those guys oh that's cool uh yeah i do just want to like shout out to that place uh that time and place uh of like sort of like shows at the charleston that morphed into the acheron, the acheron. Uh, and and how important like shout out to fucking bill dozer and the entire acheron crew you know everybody that was working there fucking leslie doug kim you know just whatever like that was that was really that was our first show we 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 played there so many times it, it really uh it, it felt like being part of a real scene with yeah, the acron being there so that was just shout out to that time and place 
A hundred percent. I was very sad to see the Akron go. I was lucky enough to perform there, and I attended a lot of shows there. And it was like I said, it was very convenient where it was around the corner from the sweatshop because a lot of times I would just go out there for a rehearsal and just you know before you go home you pop around to see what's what's going on at the Akron. Sometimes you end up staying all night, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. But. Um, yeah, man. All right. So I just wanted to give some shine to that. And I, I encourage the listeners to check out Mutant Supremacy on Bandcamp. Uh, the music's still available. But let's get into Skullshitter now, man, because we're talking about that time period. Um, and we also, you know, you also mentioned St. Vitus. That's when St. Vitus was really getting warmed up and, and um, getting yeah. into to the, the beginning of the stages of what they've now become. So Skullshitter, you guys have, have kind of been on the scene. It's interesting because you guys all come from different areas outside of New York. You assemble in New York and you're all very, you end up being very key to the New York scene in the last decade, I'll say. Um, with through Skullshitter, you've played so many shows in local venues. You guys have participated in a lot of different ways. Uh, take me through the beginnings of the band. From the beginning, was it always set out to do a three vocal kind of grindcore with death metal influences approach? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, to to be honest, uh, my my opinion, I was like, I was always a huge fan of like early Carcass. And I really like the multiple vocals yeah. with the, the the gritty grindcore. Like at the time, like Carcass was just creating it, but you know, like short songs that were like brutal and almost unintelligible. But like, I was into that three vocal attack, like three different voices, even if two of them are trying to be somewhat similar, whatever it is. And early in the mute supremacy days, that's what I was doing. I was trying to push that, and then <clears throat> I found it was more applicable in skull shitter and I was able to like divide my energies better. And I found it more entertaining and also more like creatively, creatively like gratifying to do it that way. Cause like, I feel like grindcore and jazz music are, they kind of share like a limitless boundary hmm. in, a, in a sense. Like um, there's not as many like boxes and pigeonholes that you have to really abide by within like grindcore music as you do other like like death metal or black metal or whatever everything is constantly expanding but i think it's a lot more fun and like you don't have to be so serious and when you do it in grindcore which is great i mean still by all means anybody who's listening like take it seriously if that's what you want to do (laughs) but have fucking fun you know what i mean and that's what we were trying to do is like have fun and then like be creative and all get our you know have our outlets but um originally i think that's what it was from the beginning like definitely it's like all right we all have a voice we all have our creative influence we'll make it like a hundred percent like you know divided up equally between the three of us there was times where we were like searching for a a separate vocalist or another guitar player or someone like that but then when all those like when no one returned the calls or everybody didn't <laughs> like, no one, no one had the time to do it. We're like, all right, we'll fucking make it work ourselves. Yeah. Which, which worked out for the best because with uh, anybody who knows or is local to the scene, like, you know, like a New York schedule is the worst schedule to have. Huh. And so if you have <laughs> more band members, you'll have less band practice. Right. So, oh my God. Like, You're right. You know I mean? Yeah. Dude, yeah, uh, scaling it down to three members is the smartest thing you could do, man. Yeah, shout out to uh, to Avi 
from uh, from Magruder Grind. He came to the first ever um, uh, skull shitter practice, um, but obviously did not end up. <laughs> not for me. Still a dear friend of of us all, but uh, yeah. You know. What's up, Bobby? Yeah. Haven't seen you in a minute. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Well, so. Uh, you guys ever show up to a gig? Now, here's one, because sometimes I've shown up to shows to perform, and there'll be, like, one microphone in the middle of the floor, you know, uh, hooked up to a practice okay. amp, or yeah. no microphones at all. So what do you guys do for the three vocals um, in those type of situations where there's not a- adequate uh, PA and microphones? Well, luckily for us, Robert is a sound man by trade, and he will outsound man any sound man <laughs> that we come across on tour. Got it. So uh, we are typically thoroughly researching the PA systems before confirming any gigs. Um, when we do run into things, um, there have been situations where, you know, Ryan and I will share a mic. I think there's been some times where like maybe rob has the only mic and me and ryan are just yelling you know to see what happens that's cool too though um you know so like y- you make do with with what happens but yeah i would say that rob uh rob definitely he comes rob is all business on tour <laughs> he's all all fun on the local shows but he's all business on tour we in fact one time we played in detroit and we fucking left uh, a mic stand there and like two years later <laughs> we play the same venue and rob reclaims that mic that mic stand he, and he has to tell the guy he's like you, you, the sound guy's like what the fuck are you talking about and rob's like you see that sticker you see that sticker that's on your mic stand that's it says skull shitter it's my band i left this wow. year two years ago. <laughs> That's, that's great i love that dude that's awesome that you gotta be like that though man yeah dude i paid for that shit it's mine mm-hmm. i left uh, it in your <laughs> apocalyptic town good for you <laughs> god damn it give it back yeah oh Canada, my god i need that shit <laughs> luckily we never tried to rent <laughs> was it that was it the sanctuary up there uh, no. Okay. Dodge, Dodge Theater. Oh, I don't know. Okay, man. <laughs> I like that's a good one. Let me, cause, cause, dude, you guys have been generous with the stories, man, and I really want to give uh, Skull Shitter your due. Now, you guys record the demo in 2012. Uh, you got a split with Trench Grinder, which is Rob's um other project from years past, 2014. When you went in to do Transmission Command, your first full length album, 2015, what do you feel like you guys had kind of accomplished from day one? one did you like like what were you going in there to 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 do in terms of vision sound um uh had you gelled more as a songwriting unit was one person taking the lead tell take me into to that first full length no that that was a that was a that was like the the nexus of that first stage of the band that was a there's a lot of visuals. There was a lot of visuals. It was really the whole record is modeled after a drug trip so there's like a there's a there's a lot a of visuals build up there's a come <laughs> down there's a there's a space out there's a recover there's you know everything on that record uh, and that was really an, a a, a uh, of just a really drug induced uh, period of, of time uh, for all of us and in the writing process and I, I kind of feel like that whole record was like just take a repulsion or a terrorizer record and put it through a acid trip, you know, like that's, that's what the goal of that record was. Wow. I thoroughly feel like we 
fucking nailed it. So, yeah, but it was also like a, it was an experiment with analog technology mm. a little bit. Um, yeah, we recorded the tape on that record. Yeah, everything was recorded to like a, like a sixteen track yeah. Tascam was like a D eighty eight. Nice, um, love it. Which is really killer. And like, so anybody who's in a band, you might know that like usually when you record, you do drums first, then build everything up on top of that. And what we did is we recorded drums to cassette, and there was like eight channels of drums, and then we quickly dumped that off in the Pro Tools, did a real dumb mix down to stereo, and then had two channels of drums on the cassette for Sean and Ryan to then play to. What had happened though, was the engineer, our dear friend Louie, unbeknownst to him, like recently, like right before he started the session, he knew that the motor on the machine was dying. So he took it to a, a repair shop and they put a different motor in it, but it wasn't the right, it wasn't calibrated correctly. So as a result, when it played it back, everything was out of phase. So if you listen to certain tracks on that, especially like there's a, there's a, there's a track where there's like a drum solo and stuff like that, it hits this, I hit cymbals and then everything gets real like warbly sounding, like it's underwater and gets kind of like, that means it's just out of phase. Because at first, everything is like super crystal clear and it sounds like, oh, this is a cassette recording? That's sick. But then the end recording, everything gets really out of phase and kind of turns into like a sick 70s, like, like B horror movie kind of vibe, huh. which I'm which, not mad which, at. Yeah. And then also like that's like when we talk about like structuring the album, like composing the record and arranging the record like a drug trip, like. Getting horribly huh. at the end. <laughs> getting horribly, <laughs> getting horribly over here. Yeah, but that that was kind of what happened. It was it kind of really lent to the overall sound of it, but it made it a real motherfucker when we were mixing because there was yeah. like some serious gremlins in there yeah. that we had no idea what was going on. Wow, but it was cool, and it um like for any of those like audio files that are out there, like I've met a few of them once they got their hands on the actual record and listened to it it sounded really great and it has like a cool, unique vibe to it. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like in its self, its own thing. It's really cool. Like, um, I don't want to like draw a parallel or anything, but like mayhem did it a long time ago with one of their records where they did everything back to tape. And this was like after chimera and all that shit. And they were like, yeah, you can't really hear the bass drums because they're going so fast and it's not triggered and it's more of like a feel so if you get it on like a bigger rec like a bigger stereo system what's more like full range as far as frequencies are concerned you can get more of like all the instruments but uh point being is it it's an analog album mix it was a recorded analog although primitive analog and then mixed on an analog console so which was pretty cool so it's it sounds best on a record on on vinyl yeah it does that. and the mastering on that like the vinyl really came out great and also just shout out real quick to to aaron nichols and nerve alter um who's really believed in us from the beginning um and recognized the the, the sort of unique approach that, that we take to grindcore and um he's always been really enthusiastic about the band so just you know yeah we were pretty high their whole time 
the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. Like pretty yeah. Re- respect to Aaron, definitely, man. Um, not another person I should probably get on the show at some point if yeah, so you should, man. Absolutely. Um, there's there, dude. There's. I wish I could do more than four episodes a month because there's a long list of people I really would like to speak to. But I do have you three tonight. Yes. Um, and I, that's interesting because I just learned a lot about your first full length transmission command, um, right now that, that, that I want to go back with new ears and kind of check it out. What I really, I, I got to, um, order the vinyl from you guys <clears throat> because, um, that's right up my alley, what you're talking about. Take me into then after all that going into transmission command that you just described the next year, you put out feral laws, an EP, um, very, very it seems like a very quick follow-up. Yeah, it was intended to be a very quick follow-up. Um, we we spent a lot of time and put a lot of effort into that full length, and the Feral Laws was really intended to be like, um, you know, something a little quicker, uh, a little bit like not not necessarily like less like we weren't putting our effort into it, but we were like, let's maybe take a simpler approach and 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 just kind of get something out there quick, you know, to have some fun with it. And that, that EP has some really uh, standout tracks to it, like uh, The Beast, um, which we re-recorded. It's on our, our new full length coming out this spring on Nerve Altar. Um, that, that kind of became one of our calling card songs. It's a really simple, slow song. Um, a song like I, which is, was uh, sort of our first parlay into uh, manipulating samples and overlaying samples together. Uh, on a sh- really short grindcore song, um, so it was just like we we tried to just kind of have fun with that and not not uh, overthink it as opposed to like the record that we put we you know fucking meticulously uh, you know acid tripped over. <laughs> over <again. laughs> what's well? What's funny is all the acid talk um, because here's a thought I had before when I especially when I when I was listening to Feral Laws the first track on that is more of a kind of a like a death metal song it's like got a yeah. groove like an intro style um yeah. really cool stuff and it had me the thought occurred to me that your sound you guys strike me as kind of like um for autopsy and deceased fans but yeah, a gr- but sure. a but a grindcore band, you know, you're, yeah. you're not a the death metal band, but like it's definitely got that. Or rep- you mentioned repulsion before. It's kind of like like maybe if you took repulsion and injected more death metal, or took deceased and autopsy and injected more grindcore. And when we had King Fowley on the show, he was very um, candid about uh, alleged substance abuse too. Yeah, well, no, we're. I would say that like repulsion. Like we're like a repulsion band with autopsy parts for sure. Yeah. Or like a repulsion band with autopsy songs. Yeah. You know, we've got a lot of we've got a lot of influences in the band and things that we talk about and, and riffs that we steal from and yada yada yada. But uh definitely that's like that's the autopsy is like the that's it right there, man. I love King Fallon. I've played with him several times. That might be where that comes from. Yeah. Great, yeah. I mean, great energy. I look up to the guy as kind of like a guy approaching middle age with no intention of of stopping doing death metal. I look up to guys like King Fowley, you know. Yeah, for yeah, sure. for sure. Um, all right. Well, that being said, now I've had you guys on a while, man, and you guys got such great stories. There's one I want to get. Not that it's a great story, but I want to talk a little bit. Um, about your, uh, you know, you, you did the split with Bleeding Out in 2019, and then after that, you've been very public 
about um, kind of like leading up to and maybe in a way sort of the reason for the Distal Humorous Fracture Live 2021 album, Rob actually had to recover from, uh, it was a motorcycle accident, right? Yeah, uh, I was actually on my way to work uh, and on November 2nd, fucking uh, got hit by a car, broke my arm and Technically, that's what they called it. It was a distal humus fracture. So, so I broke my arm right above the um, capsule of my elbow. So if you think of your humerus, which is the large bone that goes from your shoulder to your elbow, uh, how it kind of like graduates and kind of like uh, widens towards your elbow, um, that's where it broke. It nearly like shattered into a lot of pieces. And so... The, the doctors were like, oh, that's a very impressive fracture. And I was like, cool. I'm not really trying to impress anybody here. Uh, can you fix it? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll fix it. And so it was like two surgeries, four days in the hospital, and then uh, a bunch of like physical therapy. And with the uh, support and loving patience of Ryan and Sean, I was able to, you know, get back on track and get this going. So that album, that live release is me like um, nearly fully recovered after about a year of um, uh, practicing and physical therapy and shit like that. Because luckily I broke my arm right before the pandemic and where every, everything shut down and everybody shut down. And I got fit out of physical therapy right at the, end of March where in New York, everything went into lockdown. Yeah. So I'd gotten through like most of my healing and everything and then could take on all these Instagram push-up challenges and all these weird things and utilize the, the exercises I was being told. And then also the practice space was empty. So I could go in and relearn how to play drums. And then Sean and Ryan were super cool. Like I love these guys so much. Like, they were like, yeah, cool. We can only play the slow songs for as long as you need to. We'll readjust. And they were literally, you know, playing along with me, being as elastic as they needed to be, like, as, to play along. Like, because if it's my right arm, which is my dominant arm, you know, so everything lands on the one or it's supposed to. So that's, um, they played, they played with me, and if you've ever tried to help anybody, like, learn how to walk or do anything, it's kind of frustrating that these guys were, like, there to help me do it and walk me through it. So I can't uh, tell them how much I love them. So yeah. thanks. Love you too, bro. It fucking hurt, and yeah. now it's worth it. So, hey, yeah. thanks but for having us. But luckily, we recorded all the tracks way before all that shit happened. <laughs> so... <laughs> All the drums are pre-injury. Yeah, let's so hope I can. Well, all the all, all the drums on the re- on the Go Claw record and on the Bleeding Out Split are pre-injury. The the Feral Laws, mm. uh, or the I'm, I'm sorry, the Distal Humorous fact, Fracture live recording is after the yeah. the injury. But the cover is from the accident. Right. So the blood on the cover is actually in true grindcore fashion. My broken arm. Yeah. Wow. Blood my broken arm, and then in the insert is my broken arm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then man. if you look really close, I put like road rash on my ass and all that other <laughs> shit. That's in there too. So 
But also, like Rob's very uh, Rob's very humble. He came back like he came back like fucking eighty five percent. Like he he likes to think that he really or like you know I know you you had to work for it, but he's being very humble. He came back and he uh, you know he could. I I felt like I was like oh damn, Rob's like almost there already. You know, so it, it was uh, I was we we were both. I'm sure Ryan feels the same. Really. Um, you know, so happy that Rob didn't lose his arm. Uh, I, I feel like this was like the recurring joke that it was the only time that Rob actually gave us a, a proper heads up that he needed to cancel band practice was, uh, <laughs> was when, he, when he nearly lost his arm. Uh, um, but but we, you know, Rob came back and, and was so dedicated and put the work in and it, it felt easy to to me and i think probably to ryan too i you know rob did did a ton of work but he was so dedicated and uh it was just a, a joy to participate in wow that that's that's quite a story man um so like we said that that results in this distal humorous fracture live album uh which spans yeah. most you know songs from your whole career and now coming up, you guys are getting ready to release the Goat Claw LP, which you were kind enough to send me access to. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your intentions going into this? Um, the Maybe some of the concept. What's, what is the Goat Claw uh, and where it was recorded and with whom? Well, um, okay. So, if you, so the Goat Claw, the Goat Claw is, um, for me personally, um, is is where you're at in the in the middle of your drug trip, and if you're an individual like myself, or maybe Sean or Ryan, and you're mostly satanic, and you're really into it, and you're like, yeah, cool, that's you're in the middle of the goat claw, and it's got a hold of you, and you're like, it's kind of guiding you. So there's that. But um, so we recorded it in a rehearsal space. Uh, with Nolan, who plays guitar in Pyrolateris and Anacon. And so he's like, he's a great dude to work with. He's a great friend. Yeah. Um, and it's, he's got like a mobile setup. So one thing that we like, we learned is because we have a tendency to write a lot of songs. And I know a lot of grindcore bands are going to scoff at this, but like, you know, I personally, me, myself, I can't do like 17 songs in a row perfect. Um, <laughs> even if they are like two minutes or one minute or 30 seconds long, it's like, that's still not me. Like, I'm not going to do that. And then like, typically I give myself like three times, like three takes per song, you know, to get it. And so if you multiply that by 17, it's like, that's not going to work. I'm not going to get through that. So anyway, the point being is, um, we decided we were th throughout all these releases, try to record a bunch of these songs at once. And then we, we came up with a recording schedule that worked and having Nolan uh, being local and a, a good friend, we decided instead of spending the money at a recording studio that we record the drums at a rehearsal studio where it's comfortable and like familiar and we can get those sounds. Uh, we can reproduce those sounds enough times to where it sounds consistent. And then uh, after that, we were able to take the guitar and bass tracks um, to our friend Jamie, who also works with our friends in Gojira 
And they have a studio here in Brooklyn called Civil Chord Studios. And he was able to like reamp the guitar and the bass. And uh, we had also tracked vocals in our rehearsal space. So he took all the tracks and we mixed everything at this fucking amazing multi-million dollar uh, uh, recording studio with the aid of our friend Jamie Ertz. And he put it all together and made it sound real seamless. And, um, and in my opinion, also having some, some sort of like variance in the recording quality uh, and like uh, tonal tonal quality of all the instruments, even if like guitar and bass are reamped and those are consistent, but if the drums are slightly different, if there are some differences, like some minute differences in the vocals and the drums, it kind of keeps the recording, the, the overall recording, if you got 15 or 17 songs that are all like two minutes long and everything's at, at 10, but everything sounds different. There's some like, there's levels of dynamics that keep it from being too fatiguing to the listener. So for me personally, I think that's kind of cool. It's like snare drum doesn't always sound the same drum. Like all the drums don't always sound the same, but they sound familiar. And the, the guitars, they sound the same and they kind of glue the whole album together, guitar and bass. And then vocals are going to vary. <laughs> per, per yeah. Song. Depending on the drugs that we're on. <laughs> yeah. But also just, uh, just a quick shout to, to Jamie and thanks. Uh, Gojira guy for your, your European Mesa dual rectifier that I uh, reamped my guitars with much appreciated. Apparently the European models have a, are a higher voltage uh, and damn, it sounds fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. I wish uh, Tom or Justin was here because I feel like a lot of that went over my head to be perfectly honest with you. A lot of the audio, audio engineering stuff, but that's, that's good for the listeners to know. Um, uh, that's interesting to take in, into consideration. Um, now you, you mentioned that you mentioned, you mentioned drugs, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a common theme you might be picking up on. Well, something you also mentioned was Satan. You said you guys are satanic. I mean, we, you know, we, we've, we've interviewed a lot of different people. We've had people who are, you know, involved in a, a very occult influenced lifestyle. We've involved with people who, for them, it's more of an artistic thing, um, maybe a, a kind of a cultural thing. I don't know if, and you guys are all three individuals, but what role does, does, does the occult play some role in the band or in your personal lives? For me, personally, I think, I think it's, it's, um, like that concept. Uh, in within skull shitter is mostly projected through myself um, as the drummer and one of the vocalists because it really heavily influences my lyric writing and the direction I like to take the music when I'm, I'm contributing my parts to uh, Sean and Ryan's parts. Um, but uh, honestly, like, like Satanism and, the occult it it's more just satanism it represents like individuality and strength within myself within one within oneself um and believing in oneself rather than believing in a, a deity and relying on something to like give you power but as like the concept of satan or lucifer or um you know cast out from heaven and because he was like what about me 
like, yeah, well, fucking, fucking A, like, what about me? It's, it's about me. So it's going to be me. And this is what I'm going to do. And if I, what I do is important, then, and somebody listens to it, then fucking A, cool. If you don't listen to it, then that's all right too, you know, but it feels good to like be able to voice my opinion and to be like, like creative in my own right and help contribute to somebody else's, you know, like if somebody else identifies with it, which is great. So that's, that's what Satan is for me. It's, it's kind of like, it's, I feel like it's a passive way of being, I don't know about passive, but like, it's just not an aggressive way of being satanic. You know, a lot of, a lot of bands are really aggressive with it. And for me, I think it's a lot of fun and I think it's kind of sexy. Nice. Uh, yeah. And I think for, like for, for me, Ryan, you can pipe in if you want, but uh, it's something that Rob's like, you know, pretty passionate about in terms of just general lifestyle. And for me, it's something that, um, you know, I support in terms of the band's artistic integrity because it really represents an anti-authoritarianism, an anti-religious, uh, you know, uh, uh, viewpoint. Um, so I'm just always on board for, from that angle. Yeah, I would echo that. All the control mechanisms that, you know, are in place in the world are all basically just, you know, that. That's just bullshit. And, you know, it, in terms of, like, the actual reality or, or you know, one, one kind of perspective to that is it's all on the same continuum or whatever. So, you know, you have different dimensions and such and such and you have you know on one end maybe you you would take like the sun for example and that's everything is compressed all dimensions together in that right and then you have different areas where the things cycle out so in the end everything is just one thing right but then to have experience everything else has to cycle out of that to experience itself. And the whole cast out of heaven kind of thing is like, you have to be cast out of the thing where nothing is happening because everything is together to experience life. And that's kind of, you know, my take on what Rob is talking about. So yeah, I'm down with it. Huh. Down with it. A lot there, <laughs> a lot there. Okay. I think I understand most of what you just respectfully. That's a lot. Um, that you know, you're 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 trying to describe a very abstract concept, or I would say maybe trying to um trying to say that these biblical terms are describing way more abstract concepts than maybe people think they do. Yeah, definitely. Hail Satan, man. Interesting. All right, man. <laughs> um so well so yeah something to think about you know i'm, I'm looking because i got my, my i'm in my office here where i record this and i got my bookshelf with all my heavy metal books and uh you know lords of chaos and all rotting ways to misery and all this stuff but i also do have um you know copies of books on demonology i have the holy bible i have the uh the quran nietzsche i you know i try to i try to elevate my mind a little bit here and there but a lot of that stuff to be perfectly honest is over my head man um you know no, it's, it's, no, it's not over your head man not at all i think that that's uh, i'm a, a a super um avid reader i um uh i i yeah i i just don't think that you should pigeonhole yourself like that at all 
I think it's great that you're reading and you should continue to read and nothing is over your head, man. Well, fair enough. I pre- I, I appreciate the support. I'm, I may allegedly need to do acid. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 yeah, you should probably should. <laughs> All right. Well, not on, not on this tonight, not on tonight's episode. We'll leave it at that, man. Um, well, we got out there, man, but that was, that was great. I, I enjoyed that conversation, man. Um, and I'm going to listen to Skull Shitter with a whole new uh, set of ears, to be perfectly honest, after we just went out on that limb just now, that left-hand path limb. Um, yeah. Uh, so, and also that um, I, I'm, I'm going to listen to uh, Transmission Command, also listening for that all that analog stuff, man. Really, some very, like, subliminal kind of um, behind-the-scenes stuff going on for, like, a little bit more, maybe more than meets the eyes for a grindcore band, you know? Well, we, I, I do think that we, we've really put a lot of effort into being a band that is, is sort of like um, lowbrow and highbrow at the same time. You know, we, we never try to be too highbrow, um, but we're, you know, we've got a little bit maybe more going on than what meets the eye. Uh, and we put a lot of effort into that, um, despite being really trying to be an accessible uh, grindcore band, you know. What's the question? Uh, are, are you guys carcass on acid? <laughs> yes. Yes. Fair enough, man. No, well, uh, I don't know. Were they on acid? I don't it know. sounds like they were. Have you ever listened to Carcass on acid? Because I have. I feel like I'm talking. <laughs> I, I, all right. I'm going to do a bunch of acid, I, and then I I'll catch this, up to like, you guys. Hold on. I'm sorry, Will, to interrupt, but I just got to just throw this out there, too, is that we we also spent a a lot of our live career um, perfecting the art of of playing live. It's not perfected. (laughs) Well, I don't think you can perfect that. It's Um, different every time. Right. Playing live while under allegedly under the influence of uh, an assortment of alleged influences uh, that may have been mentioned beforehand. So, um, you know, Aaron, Aaron, uh, Aaron Nichols, who runs Nerve Alter, put it so great to me one time. He's like, you know, you guys take acid and then you try to play grindcore live. And sometimes it's incredible and sometimes it's not. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, just want to throw that out there. That, that, that it was probably was, one of those uh, times. It was like, um, you know, that we're, we're, we're out here living for the moment and uh, we're, we're grinding and blasting for the fuck for, for every day. So if you bring good drugs to the show, right. it might be yeah. a good show. Yeah. Aaron's good for those like straight up New York takes on things. Oh you know? my God. Okay. Hold on. Quick, quick, quick story. Cause this is just too good. We emailed him our record, a transmission command and to try to get him to put it out. And like something like, four or five or six months later he emailed me back and his email was like yo this is actually pretty good <laughs> <laughs> takes a little time to send it Love it. <laughs> but no he he uh he he um he actually echoed a lot of what rob said and he he was super into that record because of the way that it sounded and the approach that we took uh, and he was like, yo, this doesn't sound like anything hmm. anyone else is doing. And uh, he, he just, you know, obviously being a local guy, we played a million shows with Defeatist and, and whatnot. And Aaron's a, a brilliant musician, a brilliant, uh, just a brilliant dude in general. And he has a long history of uh, uh, of being in extreme metal. So he knows what's up. Oh, yeah. God, I just used 
term extreme metal. But anyway, oh, you got the hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. No, but shout out to Aaron, though, because actually the, the story that Sean was telling, I was having a fucking bad trip after the show. I was stressing. I was like, <laughs> fucking bullshit. And then, you know, he was like, he made me feel better. He's like, you know, the good thing about you guys, you don't know what you're going to get, you know. Fucking, it's going to be good. It's going to be shitty. But it's, you know. It's, it's a grab bag. And that's what we show up for. It's I've good. also gotten that. But not from Aaron. From random people. Right. Hey. We, we, we found a couple of like terrible, like that first show that Fred from Dismember booked at Aviv. It wasn't terrible, man. We just were too you, high well, to well, in. Okay, I was completely sober, and I and like about the <laughs> second song into the set, I was like, "Why is this so terrible?" Right? Like, why? Why for you, man? Why can I not play this song? And I just looked over, and Rob was like, looked like he was about to just like throw up and fall off his drum stool. I look over at Ryan. I'm like, oh, these motherfuckers are tripping out of their mind. And they didn't even tell me. We forgot. We forgot wow. You're, actually... you're lucky the band survived that, man. That's that's beef. Yeah, that's beef. <laughs> all right. Will says that's beef, so. Yeah, but that's... Fred was very forgiving. He, he didn't mention anything at all about how terrible we were at that job. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Fred, SB of Dismember. Yeah, I got, oh man, you guys were going down the list of all the people I want to get on the show. Fred Espy, too, classic um, uh, drummer of Dismember. Yeah, I'm sure, dude, he's he's been around so long, I'm sure he's seen worse at some point, man. Most legit, dude. Yeah. Oh, he's so cool. Yeah. No, I, I, I got to, ch- you know, I just gave him the quick handshake, you know, big fan of your band uh, treatment once or twice, man. He, he was a very nice, uh, humble guy, man. Um, but, but, uh, you guys have been nice. You guys have been very nice with your time, man. You guys have been giving me a lot of your time. You give me some of the, some of the best stories I've gotten in a while on the podcast. Honestly, man, Ryan, you might've given me one of the most gangster stories. You got, you got, you got like five questions. Lightning round. Ready? Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, what? No, you no, the, the, the light. You got a lightning round? The lightning round. Yeah, it's actually, I do. It's coming up. I'm building up right. to it right now. I do. Hold on. Right, I mean, you're like, because, yeah. because Skull Shitter. Sean, Rob, and Ryan of Skull Shitter, um, like you said, with your new album, Goat Claw, uh, coming out very soon. People got to pay attention to that. Uh, yeah, they, sorry, they- sorry. Let me just interject real quick because like, we haven't talked about this at all. It's like the main point of this podcast. We have a new record coming out. It's called Goat Claw. Uh, it's going to be out in the spring on Nerve Alter. It's uh, entirely based upon uh, vinyl availability. But we have a show booked on uh, April 22nd with Chapang, All Ages Show at Trans Pecos. We're hoping that's going to be the record release show. So uh, new record soon. Sweet. So what, what was the date again? April what? 22nd. April 22nd at Trans Pecos with Chapang. That, that just has grindcore all over. That's great. Um, Trans Pecos, really fun venue. All Ages Show, grindcore. People should check that out. Go Claw, the new album um, on Nerve Alter Records. And like you said, with this vinyl thing, it's crazy. People just gotta stay, stay put, stay focused on your social media. They want the the latest up to date. Um, and I will give you guys the opportunity to plug, promote, or give any final messages. But here it comes, the lightning round. You asked for it. Here it is. I want each of you guys to take your time and go around the table, and each of you give me a recommendation for an old album and a new album by any artist you like, metal or otherwise. Um, I'll start with a new record because I, I knew you were going to ask this and I had this answer prepped. Uh, I, I want to talk about Steel Bearing Hand, their new record, Slay in Hell. Um, 
Oh shit! Were you gonna say that too? No, no, uh, okay. man, that was sick. Yeah. So I just, I just want to say, I just want to shout out to those guys. We played with them uh, a long time ago at the Acheron, and there, and and that record for me was probably my most played record for 2021. It's, um, you know, it's like a proto death, uh, death metal rec- uh, type of record, and they, they, uh, the band themselves says that they're not a, a thrash metal band. But they, for me, really just, they just scratch the Slayer itch in a way that no other band has done before. Uh, The guitar playing is fucking top-notch. The guitar soloing is top-notch. The songs are so good. Like, I just, I spin that record literally just over and over and over again. So that's, that's my answer for the new record. I'll let these guys uh, answer, and then I'll come back maybe for an old record because I kind of hadn't thought about that. <laughs> okay, man. I got one for uh, um, an old record. Is uh, Doug Karn? He's a jazz cat. This is from like seven mid seventies or whatever. But uh, this album, uh, Revelation, um, and it's it's kind of like I guess you would call it like you know, spiritual jazz or whatever, but, um, not, it's, it's, it's pretty gnarly, man. Um, check it out. You can see it on like YouTube or, or whatever, all that shit. And then for the new, new record, um, Isaiah Collier oh, and yeah. the chosen few, uh, these guys are like a quartet and, um, it's, me and Sean went to go see them play uh, at Bushwick, and um, it's it's like I guess you would call it like experimental jazz too. Uh, that's not really like a great it, term, but yo, it sounds exactly like Sunship era John Coltrane. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Wow. Wow. But there was some parts, man, where I was like, "Yo, this cat is the drummer." I, I was like. This guy has given Jay Reed a run for his money, man, on some <laughs> shit. Silver Reed might have more teeth. <laughs> it was intense, man. So that's, that's my two. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, old records, um, I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> point, of, point of entry, Judas Priest. That was sick. Yeah. That's a good yeah, one. That works. Good. Yeah, that shit. Is what about a new record? It rips. New record. It's not that new, but I keep every time it comes up, I keep listening to it. The fucking terrorizer caustic attack, dude. Okay. All right. Yeah. As a son of Pete Sandoval, he doesn't know I'm his kid, but uh, <laughs> I was high on drugs one time, and poor terrorizer played and. I, uh, anyway, it was a New Jersey death fest. <laughs> we'll forget about that. But the point is, he treated you like his son. Uh, yeah, he treats me like his fucking <laughs> fucked up son. I don't know you. <laughs> Get the fuck away from me. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you listen to that record, man, dude, that it fucking kills. That's Everybody, the, that's the newest one. That's the newest. I mean, it was 2018, but every time that shit comes up, I'm like, I'm still not there. And this dude had spinal surgery, and he's the fucking, like, this work, Mr. World Downfall. He's the fucking goat, dude. It's like, this shit fucking rips. I mean, yeah, Brian Fajardo is the fucking shit. Everybody's the fucking shit. Like, I can't, I can't step to half the fucking drummers in the genre that I try to play in. But, god damn it, man. 
like I think most of it is like good songwriting and then a good band playing together. You play for the song, not for yourself. But sometimes that all really comes together and people really understand that and they can like compromise. But I, to me personally, that album fucking rips. I know there's a lot of really sick albums out there that are super extreme and a lot more recent. Um, but to me, that one's kind of like in my, my forefront because I keep listening to it. So. Okay. And it's like three years old, so. All right. I, I got an old record, but I do just got to say, like, you know, uh, we've touched on this a little bit with like Rob's injury and everything. And like, you know, the tight knit unit, I mean, we're, we're a Trinity, you know, like we're, we're a three piece band. So we're obviously super tight. Um, but like, you know, fucking props to Rob, man. Like, you know, every, like Brian Fajardo does rule, obviously, uh, you know, Pete Sandoval does rule, obviously, but like me and Ryan were so pumped to start this band with Rob because he was like one of our favorite local drummers and like, dude, you know, Rob fucking slays, man. Like, no doubt about it. And on this new record, Goat Claw, dude, this is his record. He fucking owns the record. So, you know, fucking word up. Uh, check out Rob's fucking playing on this record. Um, uh, and then I got a, a New York shout out for my old record. I just looked through my phone for some shit that I was, you know, that I always go back to. So for an older record, not that old. But like maybe 10 years ago, I would just, I want to shout out Unearthly Trance and their record uh, yeah. V or Five. It was their fifth record. Um, and massive, massive record, Doom record. Yeah. One of my favorite bands, one of my favorite guitar players, Ryan Lipinski. I know that you, uh, you, you've had him on the show before. Uh, definitely a major, major New York influence for me with, throughout all his bands. I loved his band Pollution that he was in. Oh. Um, yeah. yeah, dude, like he's just such a fucking player and, and unearthly trance. Like they're, they're so, we, we always joke about how we've never talked about, talked about this with them, but we, um, we always joke about how we're, we're like tangentially related to them in the terms of just like no respect, man. Like, yeah, I have we, the Rodney Dangerfield t shirt. <laughs> yeah. Like they, so <laughs> unearthly trance made this, made this t shirt. And it's a Rodney Dangerfield picture, picture of Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield, and it says, Unearthly Trance, no respect. And, like, we identify with that so hard. Like, we're, we're, we're like, you know, you said it yourself, Will, at the beginning of the interview. Like, we've played every fucking uh, venue. You know, we've opened for everybody. Uh, and we have a reputation that we're proud of. Which is like, you know, you can depend on us to, we can backline your show and we can add some draw. You know, people will come see us and we can supply the gear, you know, but there's a definite vibe, man. No <laughs> respect. So uh, shout, out to, shout out to fucking Unearthly Trance forever, man. Those guys yeah, are the best. Respect. Yeah. 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 Wow, man. I <laughs> it's it's I, I hear you, man. Um and yeah, big shout to uh, uh, Unearthly Trance, Ryan and Jay and Darren, man. Good dudes. I gotta get um Jay or Darren on because I had Ryan on, man. I got I got a uh, album coming out. Um, not I'm not like I got an album like it's my soul. If anything, Ryan actually wrote the the bulk of the music on it. Uh, Reeking Aura uh, is a band I'm in with Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Yo, send it to me, bro. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone from Buckshot Facelift is in that band, uh, except, except for the drummer Sam Sherrick on drums. Yeah, we're, we got an album coming out. We just finished the album. We recorded it with Colin. Uh, just, just big shout out to Ryan. Uh, fortunate to to be working with that guy, man. Good dude. 
And shout out to Sam too, man. He's a huge supporter of the the general scene, man. So like, shout out yeah. to you, Will. Yeah. Hey, shout I, out. Yeah, shout, big shout, yeah, shout, shout every, shout me, shout everybody. Huh? Come, um, all right. So we so we got your recommendation. I want to go back and give that terrorizer another chance because people, there's just there's something people have a little bit of a stigma about listening to anything by terrorizer that's not like you know the classic, you know, the OG uh, yeah, world downfall. Miss. Just jump in. Just oh, like, yeah. yo, don't think this is a guy that's angry at Marvin Angel. Don't, you know. Yeah, nah, lose it. Yeah, he, if, if anything, he's... 24 years old when he recorded the fucking legendary album. Now he's like post spinal surgery. Can you do that? Yeah. Can you do that? I've, I've seen like bro. interviews with him. He seems like a pretty chill dude. Oh, he's the best. I gotta say, like him and Trey both are the the chill, like they have such a good perspective on life of just like not dwelling on misgivings and not dwelling on the past and 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 trying to be productive in what they're doing for the future so uh definitely look up uh any sort of interview with pete sandoval or trey as yeah i'll i'll have to man i'll get there one day <laughs> but enough about that but um uh, if you want to turn this into a morbid angel fanboy podcast we can do that. <laughs> we we'll, I'll, next time you guys got a split or something, I'll bring you back and we'll we'll all do ass and talk about Morbid Angel for the podcast. All right? Oh God, yeah. amazing! <laughs> Lava. Well, Lava. <laughs> but, uh, real quick before before it all ends, I want to give a big shout to uh, Taz Danizoglu. He was the artist who uh, we were able to license the art for the album, uh, the album art. He's also the the bass. He was the bass player for Electric Wizard. He has his huh. own band, Satan's Wrath, and then Friends of Hell. And he's a sick tattooer. So I was able to contact him, and he's responsible for the artwork that um, he was gracious enough to give us permission to use for the for the album, which is super cool. Yeah. So. Awesome, man. Um, yeah, it does stand out, man. People will see it. And um, so, so, like I said, that's the uh, uh, the Goat Claw album that's going to be coming out soon on Nerve Alter. Um, and you guys have been great. Sean Walsh, Rob Nelson, uh, Ryan, is it Ryan uh, Kunimura? Kunimura. Kunimura. All right. I, 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 got the yeah. Long Island, I got the Long Island accent. We're, we're going to meet in the middle. Um, uh, you guys have been great. I appreciate it. Uh, skull shitter people please watch out for that any final comments for fans of your music and listeners of the podcast do drugs do drugs <laughs> <laughs> thanks uh, to will early artificial brain rips oh, yeah. oh, allegedly one of my favorite memories will for me to you uh, was years ago when you guys were like supposed to open for uh, MDF remember that Oh, and you were like, checking the vocal mic for about 30 minutes. Was I? Oh, no. No, no. It, it's not your fault. It was their fault. Oh, it they had me. They had, I was... Dude, it was sick. That's funny, I loved man. it. I was like, yo, Will, it's just up there ripping. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like all the voices. I was like, this motherfucker will not stop until you tell him to. It's going to be 100% the whole time i was probably enjoying myself too man but yeah you don't want to give you don't you, you don't want to give away too much before the show man i remember that because that we were like the first band and they they were like letting people in off the line 
as we were playing. So like there was a like throughout the weekend we would catch up to friends of ours. They'd be like, oh yeah, we were like standing on the hood of our car trying to hear you. <laughs> like while you played, you know. It was sick. I love it. I love your vocals. You're the most brutal dude I know. I love you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I you know Thank I mean you, sir. I, I I appreciate it, man. And um yeah, I appreciate it, man. And and you know, yeah, not to uh uh, not not to uh, um, play any games on the podcast with with the, uh, any bands I've been in in the past or anything like that. It's all good, man. We're here now, and I got plenty of bands to rock for the future. And I get you guys. It's all good. And um, uh, I'll br- I'll bring it right out, man. So you guys, you know, like like we were saying, fi- you know, final messages to to just say peace out for the show. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I uh, I don't have much to say, but thank you to everybody who fucking listens to us. We we really appreciate it. We, we keep track of all that social media shit. We pay attention to who's ordering shit. Um, we try to keep a personal connection with everybody that's, that's listened to us. I will just say, like, fucking shout out to some of our OG homies, man, like especially Necra, uh, Luca, Sonny, Chad. Um, those dudes were really instrumental. We toured with them a couple of years ago. Death and, Grave. And Death Grave as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Take it. Take uh, it. Death Grave, like Greg and Andre and Fern and yeah. uh, everybody in the band, and then like Bay scene, uh, local scene, also Will, yourself included, specifically. Uh, thank you, St. Vitus, everybody, and Nolan, Owen, all the, like, we have some cool, like, instrumental parts on the album. I want to give a shout out to those dudes to Mike, Mike Nichols, Mike Nichols, Jesse Nelson, Jesse Nelson, who played keys, Mike Nichols, who played auxiliary percussion, will compose a lot of that shit. And especially to, uh, I'm drunk. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. But no, no, it's, uh, it's a Nolan, Nolan Voss. Nolan Voss. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nolan, no, Nolan. Who's also in the band across the hall who <laughs> engineered everything. I can't believe I forgot his name, but he was so important to yeah. everybody. Because it's it's a friend, an engineer, and someone who could fucking kick your ass. So. Yeah. No, Nolan Voss did, and Owen, and Owen Runquist uh, contributed vocals to the record. Nolan Voss also, like, he engineered the record, but he was really instrumental in like kicking my ass for guitar tracking he was like his ear is so good and he would just make me retract shit that i thought was like solid you know and he was right uh and then quick shout out to kevin huffnagel who uh, i've been a long time student of and i know he's been a, a guest on the show but i would just really emphasize like he is the greatest fucking guitar uh, teacher on the face of the planet. He's helped me so much in um, in working on my solos and learning about harmonies and learning about uh, just music in general. So uh, that's that. Uh, Ryan, you got anything? Oh, I just want to say, Mr. Bleeding Outcast. Uh, yeah. Tour again. Yeah. And, uh, Hail Canada. Hail Canada for sure. Two Mold, fucking Bleeding Out. Andrew Nolan, what's up? Exciter. Exciter. <laughs> Yeah. fuck with exciter man i um I, I, I gotta i gotta uh, get get my 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 game up on exciter i'll admit it well you know there's a singing drummer 
Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm, now I'm interested. See, right? that's that's all it takes. That sparked the interest, man. But um, tonight, uh, the singing drummer uh, was Rob Nelson of Skull Shitter, also Sean and Ryan. I appreciate your guys' time. Um, thank you very much. And people, like I said, uh, they can go look for that album, uh, Goat Claw, on um, uh, uh, Nerve Alter uh, Records, man. Uh, you guys have a great night. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Thanks well. Well, well, We love you, brother. Hell yeah, Shout out to the Skull Shitter guys, man. Good talking to those guys. Uh, a lot of allegedly's, um, a lot of wild stuff, man. But glad we could get. They're kind of like they've been, um, uh, like like a steadfast uh, staples of the New York City underground death metal and grindcore scene and the St. Vitus and adjacent scene for a long time now. A lot of people know those guys, so this will be a good episode to get out there, man. And I do have. Um, Tom, I know you have a movie you wanted to talk about before before I get into my little tale. It's a recommendation. I, uh, yeah, I'll just I'll just spit it out. What, what am I explaining? Um, so one of the movies that really caught my attention during my recovery was The World, the Flesh, and the Devil, uh, nineteen fifty nine. Harry Belafonte. Uh, interesting end of the world scenario. A man survives an apocalyptic radioactive dust. That just, that kills everyone on Earth. Am I thinking of a different Belafonte? Harry Belafonte wasn't he a singer? He was a singer, but he did. Um, he he started in about thirty movies or so. This being one of them, but he okay. did the you know the Deo Banana Song. Um, yeah, jumping but, yeah, line. yeah, Deo. I'm thinking of the guy from Deo. I'm th- all right, same so guy, same fella. Maybe I'm maybe unfair characterization. I don't think so. He's you know he's a true performer. The man. Like he's he's got a delivery about him. He's got a particular voice. I think he's a good actor. He didn't really act in that much stuff, but he starred in several films in the fifties and sixties. Okay, um, but this one's uh, you know almost inspiration for some kind of uh, death metal kind of like surviving in the apocalypse and making the best of it. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's All a right. it's an interesting film. It's done really well. It deals with some racial stuff. Harry Belafonte being black and dealing with like. He he meets some white people in the future and like how how trans you know this is the fifties so things were treated differently and mm. it was like you can you can see that the commentary of that time about this and it makes you think a bit because it's beyond survival it's just how how people are they're cruel and even people who come across as nice could be rather cruel. Huh. Um, Do you think that this might have influenced like later generations of like Night of the Living Dead and Walking Dead and certain like post-apocalyptic tropes? I would not be surprised if Night of the Living Dead uh, cast I forgot his name the guy the, the the lead in that which was also like super progressive at the time having a yeah. black lead yeah. you know it's weird to think of now you don't really you don't think like you wouldn't be able to sell movies in the south and stuff and like certain theater cir- circuits wouldn't take you it's wild we live it's, in a very different world it's american history for yeah. sure yeah uh but yeah like night of the living dead i could definitely see that being influenced by having this this uh harry belafonte starring in 
in this film. I got to say, I'm looking at Harry Belafonte in a whole different light now, man. I got to revisit that. What's interesting, Tom, you and I did not coordinate this. As Actually, up till this moment, I told you my recommendation. I was just going to tell you a funny story about a book I bought. Yeah. I didn't tell you what the book was at all. No. Because you told me about a post-apocalyptic movie that was kind of like a, 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 a little bit ahead of its time, maybe before some of these Night of the Living Dead, post-apocalyptic movies, like we just said. Yeah, it gets tied a lot with the zombie theme that mm-hmm, happens. Where... Mm-hmm. Racial overtones, yeah. uh, you know, uh, not, not necessarily a traditional white guy in the lead, and it was a little progressive for that. I read a little bit about a book that I didn't realize. Um, there was a movie that I didn't realize was actually a book uh, long ago from the 50s that was influential in this whole post-apocalyptic genre, this whole zombies and whatever, the world ends and you got to survive genre. It's one of the most influential stories in that genre. It was made into a movie, um, and I ordered it specifically. You know you know when you like buy a, a book after it becomes a movie and they come out with like the interview with a vampire, but it's got Tom Cruise on the cover? I hate that. Oh, uh, I hate that. So bad. Yeah, dude. Like, just give me the the book. You know, mm-hmm. it was a book for 20 or 30 years, and you made a movie, now Tom Cruise is on No. Yeah, I don't need Matt Damon's face on The Martian. You know, it's weird. The book I Am Legend by Richard Matheson. Very weird. I Am Legend by Richard Matheson, a book from the 50s, uh. hailed as a very influential book for the, you know, post-genre. Most people know the movie with the actor Will Smith. Yeah. Who everybody gives me jokes about for my name. I'm I am named Will Smith. Yeah, you I'm, specifically have like Will Sp- Smith oppression. Yeah, it's I went good. to the doctor two days ago. I'm fine, thank you, everybody, for asking. And both the physician's assistant and the attending physician were yes, Will Smith. Oh, Will Smith on the computer. It's constant in my life. Everyone yeah. knows this. The death metal scenes had a lot of fun with it. Artificial brain and afterbirth reviews with Fresh Prince references. It's great. People love it. So. Aside from this lifelong haunting of this uh, actor slash rapper Will Smith, Mm. I wanted to read this book, I Am Legend, Richard Matheson, which was written decades before Will Smith was born, and see what it was all about. So I go on my used book website of choice to order it for a few bucks, cheap, used. Thrift books? Thrift books, yeah. Yeah. I I use them. Great Great site, uh, yeah. Recommended. Beautiful people. Give us a little Mm. uh, promotion next time we talk about you. So I specifically look for the pictures to click on the book that is absolutely not going to be anything involved with the Hollywood version. Right. I don't want the novelization of the movie based on the novel or something. I don't, you know, I don't know what they do nowadays. I definitely don't want Will Smith's face on the cover of a book from the 50s that he made a movie. I don't want that. So I yeah. I make sure I scroll down, I find the one, I look at a picture, couldn't that nice just nice it's a book. I order it, open up the package a few days later. Tom, this is my copy of I Am Legend by Richard Matheson. Take a look and tell the... I want you to tell the people about it. Well, just to suspend the tension here, uh, the background image is what seems to be Manhattan. Yes. Um, In the foreground, Mm. aside from the text and the copy... A man. Is a man (laughs) who happens to share your name. Uh, This is... (laughs) I feel bad, dude. I... You know I'm what the sorry. worst part is? I still want to read the book, so I'm going to have to spend some time with that. Just it's, draw a mustache. Yeah. You know, you can rebel like you used to. Maybe, yeah. Ah. Oh, boy. Hey, if you want to hear a fun thrift store, I mean, a thrift books mess up, 
This happened to me last month. Okay. When I purchased my biography of George C. Scott that I previously mentioned, mm-hmm. um, he's an angry man, right? This guy. His, I, I'm his, angry. That happens. We get angry. The book was called The Volatile Life and Career of George C. Scott, Rage and Glory. Mm, I like that. When I ordered it from Thrift Books, packages on the way, all the tracking happened. When I got it, it was not rage and glory but rather betty white's autobiography which is hilarious because she you know god rest her soul she just died and the whole show roast mortem is about making fun of dead people is that now, is that a message to roast mortem <laughs> from the universe i'm thinking i'm thinking i might have to just do that wow. for fun i don't know how much ammo i have she seems like a really beautiful woman but uh Maybe I just lay into her. Well, Maybe that's what that's kind of like the whole roast tradition comes from that Hollywood co- comedian, you know, history. Of course, there probably is a roast of Betty White out there somewhere. I don't know which is worse though the the Betty White or the uh, Will Smith. Nothing wrong is pressing. Worse. <laughs> Nothing is worse than this. Tom. This this is bad. It says, "Look, dude, in in a font that is one point smaller than the author's name, it says now a major motion picture starring Will Smith." My God! Oh God! I, but I, I paid. Feel for you, man. But I paid one ninety nine for it. Shout out to Thrift Books anyway, you bastards! I'm probably just gonna like, get, and and well, you know what else too, man? While we're having laughs, I'm gonna keep this one short. I'm reading about the diabolical, paranoid, uh, uh, madman Willy Wonka. Oh yeah, the complete adventures of Charlie, Mister Willy Wonka. This has the Glass Elevator, which is a whole other book that didn't become a movie afterwards interesting i didn't know yeah. that there was a continuation of that it came with a free pizza uh bookmark i like that That's yeah pretty cool for kids yeah it's a, it's a it's a kid's book but uh i read a theory on reddit that willy wonka is a serial killer so i wanted to explore this theory for myself the chocolate serial killer yeah dean corral of texas whoa what, yeah is that what the move is that no there was a guy who ran a chocolate factory or something and he killed a bunch of people so <sighs> Kind okay. of could be tied together, but that's that's not here nor there. We're Let's not divulge my concept album based on the elusive madman Willy Wonka. All right, uh, but the, the elusive madman and Skull Shitter, those guys were a little wild, man. And I yeah. would like to read a biography on those guys one day. We tried to give you all the information we could tonight. We'll probably be sourced at some point when a book is written about some of the people we interviewed. Can we get money? No. That's good, because then that means I don't have to pay people who I source. Yeah. So that, it, Absolutely it, it, not. It doesn't work like that. One hand washes the other. I love you out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, love you, Metallum. Good thing I don't have to pay Metallum. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be a podcast. Yeah. Uh, thank you, guys. Yeah. All right. Well, we are a podcast, and you can check everything out, heavyholepodcast.com. You can go to our Patreon, look up Heavy Hole Podcast. We've got bonus episodes, outtakes, little edited things, too hot for the for the main feed, Ooh. too crazy. Um Bonus episodes and all that stuff. We're on all the the social medias uh, that you can access without the FBI tracking you. Yeah, just right. Yeah, they're doing it anyway. So well, just... yeah, without the without without the FBI red flagging you, I yeah. should say you can be a perfect citizen. Gonna be yeah. tracking you. Yeah, you know, for okay. safety. Okay. Okay. Well, let's save that for the more political grindcore episode. This You're was right. skullshitter. Anyway, man. Um, shout out to those guys. We appreciate them. Check us out online. All that hot stuff, man. And I just want. I just want to say one love to Justin, man. We we miss you, kid, man. One sweet day, we're gonna get him back here. That's for sure. All right, man. Anything else? Um, no, nah, man. Your dog is over here, nice uh, asleep. It's having a little Z. It's uh, um, did you feed it? What did you, what do you feed your dog? Um, 
What is that dog food? Purina 1. Oh, that was a good save. 